Hi, this is Steve. We've done all sorts of films on the cinephiles. Deep, serious films with important themes. Thrilling adventures and big, sprawling epics. We've done films with brilliant performances, meticulous technique, and incredible cinematography. But there are few films which combine all those elements more beautifully than Akira Kurosawa's Seven Samurai. Seven Samurai is as entertaining as it is thought-provoking, as technically brilliant as it is deeply moving. It is a film that not only changed our perception of Japanese cinema, but our approach to filmmaking as well. In fact, coming just nine years after the end of World War II, I believe that Seven Samurai, through its power, vision, and sheer humanity, changed the way we see the Japanese people. This is a truly brilliant movie, and as cinephiles, you owe it to yourself not just to watch it, but to really study it. And there's no better place to do that than on our website, cinephiles.net, where you can buy or stream Seven Samurai along with every other film we've ever reviewed. Plus, if you don't support us on Patreon, now is a good time to start, because we just released a new cinephile short with John and my feelings about the rise of Skywalker and the whole Star Wars franchise. So that's a Rise of Skywalker short exclusively on Patreon, and Seven Samurai Part 1, this Friday on The Cinephiles. Welcome once again to The Cinephiles, where this week we continue the month of Kurosawa with The Seven Samurai. My name is Steve Morris. I'm a filmmaker and directing instructor in Los Angeles, California. Hello, everyone. My name is John Roca. I'm a writer, producer, host, uh, voiceover artist here in Los Angeles. I'm still figuring out my new titles. Yeah. I'm still I, figuring it all out post-collider I, I, what I do. You know? I think I think you have some time. I think like you need to kind of walk the earth for a while yeah. and maybe going through a deep transformative experience maybe yeah. you need to defend a village from some bandits to I, discover who you really are maybe i need to stop being that farmer and become a samurai once and for all or oh. go back to being a farmer who knows <laughs> yeah. i'm still on this quest i know the journey. outlaw seems like a lot like a samurai now i don't see I you as a so farmer too. i would think so too. um uh and of course the <laughs> film we're talking about is seven samurai this is our month of kurosawa and this is without question his uh, most important, most influential. Uh, it is the film most widely talked about. It is the film that defines the samurai genre in film, I would say. It is a film that is, as a student of film and someone who wants to learn about film, this is one that should be studied. Maybe maybe the most to be studied, in my opinion, of all the films we've done since maybe Citizen Kane and Lawrence of Arabia, mm-hmm. with maybe maybe Jaws and Apocalypse now being in that category, yeah. maybe Vertigo. Like th- There's very few films that I would say, no, no, you could watch this over and over and over again in terms of the craft of filmmaking mm-hmm. and see new things every single time. Well, that was Steve's final thoughts, everybody. So thanks for listening to this episode. Yeah. You thought it was going to be a two-parter. No, it actually is only this, this, one this. minute, 44 seconds. <laughs> For the longest film ever, the shortest film, the shortest episode of The Cinephiles. No, I couldn't echo everything you said 
more. I mean, it's one of these films that when you watch it and you're a cinephile, if it puts the zap in you, it puts the zap in you hard. And every time you go back and discover it and watch it again, it moves you, it motivates you, it excites you, it breaks your heart. It also makes you question a lot of things. This idea, there's a lot of great moments where Takashi Shimura is really showing you what the end result is of the bravado of youth. You know, oh, yeah. your your hair is gray, your parents are dead, and you're living all alone. This kind of stuff. Yes, it's great to have these heroic aspects to your life, but what is the end result? And I think it's such a brilliant film that came out in the 50s that pretty much undercuts this idea of the hero, of what the hero is, you know? It's well, great. still being really heroic. Absolutely, and because yeah. it's the honesty. Same thing with Unforgiven, cutting, uh, you know, undercutting the idea of the hero while also being heroic in that aspect. And I think that's what's so brilliant about the film, but also showing us all these different characters and the truth that goes on with these farmers and how the farmers are scared of these samurai even though they want the samurai to help them once again the truth it, it, it speaks volumes in terms of the symbolism yes we want these people to come help us but we want them to help us how we want them to right. help us and not touch anything else and that kind of stuff and then we want to be afraid of them and think they're going to get like uh, rape our women or do whatever there's so much that gets involved here and then you've got the different samurai which are seven different personalities what do they bring out what do they explore and then the idea of classism goes into this as well so there's so much about this film that i think is absolutely genius and speaks on so many levels and it's three and a half hours three and a half hours and it doesn't feel like it at all well that's john's final thoughts everyone i (laughs) want to thank you for tuning into the cinephiles we didn't really have time to do ads or anything but (laughs) um do you remember how you first came to seven samurai same thing as i did as i've done with a lot of these films in charlottesville just watching it on a laser disc there in a small little cubicle in the library and absolutely being blown away on my headphones about this incredible film um i don't know if it was on dvd or if it was on uh, 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 a laser disc but that's how i watched it and i remember spending the whole afternoon there feeling incredibly guilty that i was taking up a cubicle the whole time but i couldn't stop watching this movie and i think this is the movie that really kind of put the samurai thing inside me. Mm. Like Bruce Lee did with martial arts, I think Kurosawa Seven Samurai did for me in samurai films. And now I I try to watch every samurai film that I can, good or bad, uh, because I just have such a love for that genre. For me, I already talked about how my started my love of samurai really became from reading James Clavell's Shogun, which Mm. is, you know, it's a pretty... uh, Western version of that, but that's what put the hook in me first and went on to uh, Kurosawa films and Lone Wolf and Cub and all that stuff. But Seven Samurai is the first one I watched, and I watched it in high school on VHS at my parents' house, sitting in the family room. And what I'll tell you one thing that's interesting you know, we talked about like, oh my God, we're so lucky that we get to watch things on Blu ray right now. And one of the big reasons is that we have these wide TVs and we have these widescreen formats that we can watch so that we don't have pan and scan. But this is a four by three movie. So the one good thing about watching it for the first time in Blu ray, it's not like watching uh, Lawrence Arabia for the first time on a VHS tape, which I did, is that you're not actually missing the image. You just are missing some of the beauty of the cinematography. And it immediately got my hooks. It hooks in me as well. Mm. But what's interesting to me, I mean, you know, we said this so many times on the the show, but this movie in particular, I I have learned and seen more in every single time I've Mm. watched it. And as I've grown older and I'm not the young kid anymore and I'm now, you know, more like... You're not sure. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like that that all makes so much sense to me. And and, and this is what's so interesting about the film is that uh, 
Kurosawa set hadn't. This is only his second movie dealing with samurai. Yeah, the first one being Rashomon, or the, it's his third because there's those who tread on the tiger's tail in mm-hmm. Rashomon, and and Japan. I think we talked about this in the Kurosawa bio, which came out last week. Yeah. Uh, divides films into Jidageki, uh, which is the period pieces, and modern films, whose name I don't have in front of me right now. Mm-hmm. And uh, there's also a, a subgenre of the period pieces called Chambara, mm-hmm. which is sword fighting movies. And if you looked at those films previous to Seven Samurai, first of all, they were really, really action oriented. And like, you know, watching a Kung Fu movie or something that we would think about is that they weren't necessarily too deep. Right. And the main thrust of the Jikadeki, the samurai film, was to put forth basic samurai code, Mm. honor, loyalty, duty, and that they would contrast, like, for instance, you would have the choice of your Lord has said you must put your child to death, and you would agonize over the choice, but then you would do it because that is what a samurai's duty is. Right. And that they were, and this is in pre war Japan, and particularly in pre war Japan and during the war, they really wanted to hit, you know, you had government ordered mm-hmm. censors to really hit these ideas of loyalty, honor, duty. And those were the most important samurai values. And what Kurosawa wanted to do was he wanted to tell a true samurai story. And he wanted to tell a story that is truly and deeply entertaining. But he didn't actually want to say those simple kind of traditional things. Mm. He, he, he believed that a movie could be really entertaining and really be about something at the same time, not be light. Right. And I think that is a thing to be thinking about, not only about this film, but about films today as we're in the world of these big tentpole films and like that are generally working to be really, really entertaining with huge action pieces is can they be about something at the same time? Right. Well, and think about that. And we see it now as such a accepted concept, but back then what a novel concept that really was to be able to turn something like a three and a half hour action samurai film into also about something more about a commentary on life, about the stages of life from the young samurai to the old samurai. What are the lessons here and everything in between? I think it's brilliant. that he was able to do that. What a gutsy decision to do that. And must've like we spoke about in last week's episode, driven by something to make the movie be about that, you know, a desire well, to make it about and something. And yet, what's so funny about it, it's three and a half hours long. Mm. I don't think this movie feels long at all. No. I I think it is so, it has such a lightness and fun to it for so much of it. Right. That you're just, even when you get to some heavy stuff, which obviously it does, mm. but like it, it Kurosawa proves this point he wanted to make. Yeah. You can be entertaining and be about something. Right. Um, it, t- it takes great casting. Yes, and it takes interesting scenes. Yep, and it takes a flow that makes sense and takes you along with it. And certainly, the film has all of that. I, I liken it so much so to any show that you build or do. Um, you can create segments up the wazoo. But if you don't have the right personalities, it's not going to matter. The show could be 20 minutes. It's still not going to matter. Right. It's about personalities. I think you can. I think people pay attention to long films because the actors and the characters are so rich that you don't want to leave there. Uh, you don't want to leave it anytime soon so it doesn't feel like three and a half hours. Well, and there's always something going on. Yeah. There's not like, it's not just like a three, uh, you know, five minute shot of a guy walking or something. Right. It's like, no, there is something with all the characters happening all the time. Yeah. Um, the original idea was to do a movie about one samurai. Yeah. It was like a day in the life of a samurai. And they did a bunch of research and found about it. It was sort of like a samurai and his lord, and he makes a mistake, and then he's in trouble, and mm. what is he going to do? 
And he worked with two other writers. I think it's two other writers. And he had one guy who's sort of the structure guy. And then Kurosawa and this other guy would write the scripts and they'd throw things back and forth. And they worked on it a long time. And they got to the end. And Kurosawa reads the whole script and says, well, I guess that was a bad idea. <laughs> and they throw it out. Wow. Which to me is amazing leadership. Is like you've Because it's very hard. You've invested a whole bunch of time into oh, yeah. a thing. And to just go, nope. Yeah. One of the things I found most interesting in my reading about these earlier period pieces is that they actually weren't, even though they were older, they weren't necessarily very historically accurate, right. and they didn't know a lot about the samurai period. And so Kurosawa did what other filmmakers hadn't really done, which is to do a lot of research. Mm -hmm. Because the stories that get relayed, like the 47 Ronin story, yeah. they're all following these ideas of honor and loyalty and duty. Yeah. And... Because of that, they're not actually talking about sort of the practical stuff. And Kurosawa started asking things like, well, what did samurai eat? Right. How did they live? What When there's these times where all, between all these wars where you're all these unemployed ronin walking around, what do they do? Right. You know, and he started to stumble upon little pieces of stories, including a couple of anecdotes where farmers did hire samurai. Mm. It's not a thing that happened a lot, but it actually did happen. And that's where this idea of what started off as the six samurai, by the way, oh, wow. started to come from. Um, and then and then what Kurosawa did is he started to figure out it's just exactly the thing you were saying. Mm. The where he started was the characters. Those yeah. samurai, who are they? He drew them. He's a you know he's a painter and a great artist. Yeah. He had their worked on their costumes, their mannerisms, their backstories, who these people were, and then he had handed all that stuff to the other writer, who's sort of the structural guy, and says, "Okay, now you start to figure it out." Yeah, this movie went way over schedule and mm. over budget. It was supposed to be a three month shoot, took over a year. Wow. Is the most expensive. First, it was the most expensive movie that Toho, the studio, had ever made. By the time they were done, is the most expensive movie ever made in Japan. And at the time, 1953, Toho is making another movie, which is going way over budget and very expensive. And that movie is Godzilla. Is Godzilla? Yeah. yeah. Make, Toho makes Seven Samurai and Godzilla in the same year, <laughs> and they want to kill both of them. They're like, "Oh my God, where these movies are going to break the studio? The studio almost goes bankrupt." Wow. And yet, those are you know probably the most famous movies mm -hmm. to come, maybe to come out of all of Japan. I don't know. I don't disagree with you. Um. Yeah. Would you like to get into the film? Let's do it, man. Those credits against black that are sort of an angle with the beating of the drum, even though I don't speak Japanese, are cool. Yeah. And we get... Uh, and Mafuni's the first name listed. I, I don't, oh, is he? Yeah. That's I, at least I noticed this time a criterion in the collection I was watching. Mafuni's the first name listed, then Shimura. So I don't know if that was changed in post. I don't know if that was the original credits. I don't know. Well, it, it's, it's not like... I mean, is Mafuni in the history of Japanese film a b bigger star? Yes. Absolutely. Was he a bigger star in 1954? That's what I wonder about. I mean, he... He had worked with Kurosawa before. A whole bunch. Yeah. But so had Shimura. Right. And the last movie, Shimura was the stars. Ikiru. Mm -hmm. That's the last one right. they made. Good point. You know, so so it's... it's and, and, and it's such an interesting thing. This is such an example of... To me, Kambe is the, is the main character. Right. And uh, Kikuchi, Kikuchio is the upstart supporting character that continually steals the show. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, that's how I see, in terms of the structure. Yep. 
and we see some a title come up that this is during the Civil War, and this is in that uh, 16th century era where there's all these wars during uh, in Japan between the first big powerful warlord is a guy named Nobunaga, mm-hmm. and then he dies. And one of the most interesting characters to me in Japanese history is Hideyoshi, who becomes the Taiko. And what the reason I bring it up is that he is a guy who was a peasant, yeah, and became a general. And then became the most powerful ruler of all Japan. Right. In a lot of ways, and then he dies, and then the person that, and then there's more civil wars, and the person that takes over after the Battle of Sekikahara is Yesu Tokugawa, who's the Tokugawa surrogate that runs Japan mm. for the next 200 years. And so the reason I bring it up is that this is an era, we, we have this character of Kikuchio, who is a peasant who pretends to be a samurai. Yeah. And you look at it like, go, oh, that's totally impossible. But in fact, at this moment in the 1580s, yeah. there is a peasant who has become a general and eventually rules all of Japan. And he is, and, and I'll say there's one more thing about these these three guys Nobunaga, Hideyoshi, and Tokugawa. These are three of the most important figures in Japanese history. And there's a very famous poem, which is it's ba- the poem it asks these three people, What do you do if the cage bird won't sing? Mm. So, what do you do if you want this bird to sing and you won't and it won't sing? Right, right, right. And it's each of their answers. Nobunaga's answer: kill it. Hideyoshi's answer: this is the peasant. Make him want to sing. And Tokugawa's answer is wait. (laughs) And that to me sums up (laughs) these three philosophies. And this is this era of the Civil War. These are the huge, powerful people. Um, And we're not dealing with the powerful people. We're dealing with the people that are getting brutalized by their struggles for power. Um, And the titles say it's an endless cycle of conflict left the countryside overrun by bandits. And that the people were living in terror. Yeah. And then we faded in our first shot. I say often in my film school that first shots matter mm. because you're if if the first shot is beautiful, you relax. Yeah. You go, oh, okay, this movie this is gonna be okay. This first shot is stunning. Yeah. It's horizon. It seems like early morning, and up onto this hillside ride in silhouette, the bandits. Yeah. It looks amazing. And from, from a distance, which a I distance. think is good, too. You're just like, they're coming into your frame. They're destroying the peace, which is in essence symbolic of what's going to happen later. They're always destroying the peace. Well, and as long as this movie is, it does not waste time. Nope. We are right into it. Yep. The bandits ride right across. They look down at the village, and they say, should we attack that, too? And they go, no, we just took their rice like last fall. They're not going to have anything now. Right. We're going to come back later. Right. And we see that the bandit leader is recognizable because he has a specific kind of helmet. And the bandits go, okay, sounds good. And they ride off. And we're looking (laughs) down at the village through some piles of wood and brush. And then one of those things moves. Yeah. And there is, I think it's Yohei. Yohei. Stands up, obviously scared. (laughs) Really scared, which he is basically through the entire movie. Yes. And he runs down the hill. That's... We were joking about our cinephile episode ending after a minute and a half, but we're like a minute into this three and a half hour movie. You're yeah. like, oh, I know what this is about. Yep, exactly. Yep. You get it all handed to you. Yep. We're down in the village. They're in a circle. Yeah. So what do you think about the way that Kurosawa directs performance of the villagers? I think it's incredible because it could go 
into caricature. It could go into overacting. It could go into all these places. It's right on the edge. It's right on the edge. But that's, again, that's why you cast correctly. You get people who can evoke these feelings, these emotions, believably at the level which you're delivering them. And I think every single one of them is distinct in that way. Whether they move or don't move, whether they, how they look, how they react. You get the scared older man who does not want to fight. You get the, the, the younger guy who wants to go and kill the samurai. You get the guy on the edge who's like, you're talking like an idiot. You're crazy. And then you get all these people crying and, and they're all in like the downward dog position, completely submissive position. So to me, that's what you're getting from the entire picture here. And the circles are interesting because don't the circles come back on the flag? The circles at Absolutely. the end. Yeah. So it's all there's a symbolism there. There's a thing that Kurosawa does. I think more in this film than any other film that I can think of until we get to like Throne of Blood, Kagamusha, and Ron. Yeah. Which is the symbolic nature of the way he stages things. Yeah. Is that this is not a people don't naturally form a perfect circle right, like right. that. This is not a normal way for people to hang out. But he places them there and that I think because it's so almost ritualized, mm-hmm. it ta- maybe this comes from kabuki or no drama where there is there's meaning within this, but it takes it to like a more theatrical place. Yeah, yeah. And one of the main characters we introduce here is Rikichi, mm-hmm. and he's the really angry guy. He wants to fight. He wants to fight. And by the time they're all done uh, crying and moaning and whining, whatever, he walks off by himself. He steps out of that out circle. Out of the circle. And I, and I think this is such an important moment, A, mm-hmm. for his character in terms of uh, we learn a lot about him by right. doing that, but also... Thematically in this film, there are so many things where in one way or another, people step out of their role. Yeah. You know? That's a good point. Over and over and again, in all sorts of different ways. And this is the first one that we see where he goes, no, I am not going to be just a farmer that kowtows to these bandits over and over. I'm going to fight even even if it means losing my life. He's in essence breaking the wheel because that's a circle by walking, stepping out, right? Well, that's why, why, you know, it's like I, I... resist people that try to put symbolism in every single place they can put it. <laughs> right. But when Kurosawa has clearly placed them in a circle, yeah. and this guy has clearly stepped out of that circle. Yeah, and that, shoots it that way. That is not accidental. Right. That symbolism is for real. Yeah. And finally, they, you know, and we, we, there's a debate about, look, they're going to kill us. We're not, we don't have to fight. And finally, the decision is, let's go see the old man. Yeah, let's go see the old man. Yeah. And we hear as they move the the beginning of what is their light motif, which is this droning, oh. choral vocal sound. It's beautiful because it feels old, and by old I mean from the gods, from the from their uh, descendants, right? Like this kind of thing, like oh, this sadness to it, even yeah. this inevitability of death. Yeah, and it just all of it just hangs there like a like a sad coral just waiting for your for you to come join it and be part of the voices of the ancestors man it's it's incredible uh and the old man lives in a water in a mill and we see the water wheel and we actually do jump cuts in on the the wheel and mm-hmm. this is one where i would love to it's a totally minor question but i'd love to go to curacao i was like why'd you do it that way like it's such how an interesting you, how do you question the emperor you want to question the emperor? I, well, this is an interesting thing. I, he he was really reluctant to talk about his film. Oh yeah, yeah, and, and yet also like it's it's interesting. One of the things that people talk about him. There's all sorts of things we can admire Kurosawa about. Right, right, right. You know, his cinematography, his staging, his working with actors, his efficiency and story, all that, his lighting, all that stuff. But there are a lot of people who say he might be the greatest editor in the history of film. Oh, that's fair. 
none of this film is traditionally coverage covered. Mm-hmm. Coverage means, you know, I'm going to shoot a two shot and a close up and a close up and over the shoulder and a couple of inserts and then I cut it together. Right. None of this movie is shot that way. And so A, he had to have the plan ahead of time and B, he knew how to put these shots together. So when he does jump cuts moving into this mill, there's a reason. Mm-hmm. But I I I'm just I I re- I mean it works great. Yeah. And we go meet the old man. Wonder how old that old man is? 45 65 <laughs> but he was missing his teeth and oh. so he found that as an actor he got a lot of more work when he took out his false teeth because he could play way older hey man i paid him bills yeah and again the framing is gorgeous yeah. we have the old man in the foreground the peasants in the background and fo- this is if you're going to just watch this film a bunch just watch foreground and background yeah over and over and over again in this film there's foreground things going on and background things going on yeah um and the old man says we fight. So he takes Rikichi's side. Rikichi's excited too. Yeah. Rikichi's so excited. And he's he's the guy who says, We're gonna hire samurai. Because mm. he saw it done before. He says, I saw it with my own eyes. When the village you're born in I was born in was touched, we escaped. The only village that didn't burn was the one that hired samurai. And they're going, How are we gonna do that? I mean, these people are too proud. And the answer is find hungry samurai. <laughs> His voice is great. Yeah. Logical, too. Yeah. He says, even bears come down from the mountains when they're hungry. It's a great line. Yep. I remember we talked about this in uh, Jurassic Park, which is this a cut that answers a question. The village, he says, bears come down when they're hungry. The villagers kind of look at each other. Cut to, we're in a town, and we see samurai walking by. And there's that great kind of samurai theme. This is not the big theme yet, but a really great theme. There are these characters that are moving back and forth, crossing in front of our farmers really fast. We see one, we see the other. And here's something I didn't know. Do you know who the second samurai to walk by is? No. Tetsuo Nakadai. Oh, wow. This is his first appearance in a Kurosawa Uh. film is he just walks by camera. I'll be honest with you, watching it this time, I thought to myself when I saw that samurai, like how regal and powerful that samurai is and where do they cast this guy? Like, it's so interesting. That's funny that you, you know, It that. really did because he yeah. walks from right to left. He walks right out of the frame. I remember that. Wow. And even here, you see his great casting, his great costume yeah. because every one of those guys that walks by is different. Yep, distinctly different. Different weapons, different clothing, different carriage, different attitude. Yeah. Very, very different. And as they're watching... And we know what they're thinking about. They're thinking about, oh, this, which, which is the guy that we ask? Yeah. And you have this hard cut to this. You hear, how dare you? <laughs> I love the way this is shot. The crowd scatters. And there is Rikichi thrown in the middle of the street mm-hmm. all alone, kowtowing. And this huge samurai made even larger by the giant spear he's yeah. carrying. And he says, how dare you? Mm-hmm. Poor as I am. I'm a samurai, not a beggar. Right. Great way to start. The I found this time so much more joy in 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 kind of analyzing or discovering the rejections and what it means yeah. by those samurai, right? This one here is more like, how dare you? It's an insult to him that he has to even be asked something like this or even, right. or even appeared that he might be hungry, right? There's something there in the reaction that's very strong. Well, you know? And I think it's a great place to start because where we've come from is the Chambara, the Jigadekchi of the past, mm. where there was very rigid samurai 
uh, roles yeah. and honor that that's how what, how we thought of these people. And the class structure in this time period and the class structure in Japan, you know, in general is fairly rigid. Like yeah. you're in this role and you're supposed to do this within this role. And so this reinforces that. Yeah. This is this is saying which we're going to destroy throughout the film. Right, right. But at this moment we're saying, yeah, that's what it is and the and the farmer's reaction is I told you. Yeah. <laughs> we of course this is never going to work. Right. This is impossible. And then we get that droning choral music again, and this is really sad. To make matters worse, we fade into the next scene, and the barley is growing. Right. And the barley, they have to be back in town when the, they know the bandits are going to come then. They have to ha- harvest the barley. We're wasting time. This is a bad idea. And we see a wipe. This is, a, again, a constant Kurosawa technique. So technique that anytime I see a wipe, I think of Kurosawa. Oh, of course. You know, particularly if you see it in Star Wars, mm-hmm. you know, it's like we know where this comes from. And now we're in this inn or this place, and there are these dudes who are, you know, half naked and nasty. Great casting again. Yeah. And this, these are guys you've seen in numerous samurai films. Oh, sure. The half naked guys who gamble or do the weird shit late at night with their, with their uh, uh, liquor. Yeah. And what's interesting about them is they're making fun of our farmers. Oh, yeah. yeah totally. Yeah, totally. And yet there's a certain point at which they're going to become like... We these could be set up as just the horrible assholes of the film, right? And but in fact, later on, we go, we're not going to be able to feel about them quite that way. Yeah, I mean, they're assholes. Yeah, and there's a guy who comes in to try to. He's got some leftover rice balls or mm-hmm. cakes or something. He's like, "Hey, why don't you want some of this?" And of course, they're just eating millet. They can't afford any of this. What is millet, by the way? It's another grain. So, by the way, it's so it's another grain like barley or rye. Or, okay. Um, what I've heard that people say millet's not that bad. Oh, it, I was going to say it's, it, it's, you've probably eaten it. I've probably it, eaten bread with millet. Yeah, in, yeah? it's okay. just a it's just a heartier grain. But in this movie, millet is bad. Millet is bad. It means yeah, you're the you, lowest you, of the low. Look, yeah. You're eating millet. Millet. We should have a. I'll go, we should get some millet. We'll make some and have a nice cinephile meal sure. featuring. We should some put millet. a YouTube about how to make millet. <laughs> I'm sure up there. Uh, I, my understanding is that there's a bunch of uh, African dishes in African oh. cuisine that features millet. Well, there you go. That's not normally a cinephile uh, piece of information, but you <laughs> never know. And they also these bully guys, whoever they are, talk about another samurai mm-hmm. that they kind of pushed around is kind of a wimp yeah. and that guy comes out and climbs down from his little shelf up above and he's got his sword and he tries to assert himself a little bit he's like hey the only reason you know you you got to me was i was hungry or something but you couldn't have got and then they say oh you want to fight again and the big guy stands up and he cowers and goes right away yeah 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 so i think this is really important uh, and the reason is, is the last samurai we saw was the how dare you guy with the big spear. Right, right. And that established what we think of as samurai. Proud, haughty, rigid within their uh, uh, roles in terms of caste. Mm-hmm. But now we see this guy. Mm-hmm. And this guy shows us samurai are people. Yeah. He is not... This guy's not brave in any way. He's not intimidated in any way. He is easily, easily bullied, even though he's got a sword, by these, you know, naked guys sitting in this little inn. Once again, it's the deconstruction of the myths of samurai throughout the whole movie. It's deconstructing that and making them real, connectable, relatable, yep. human, as you just said, Steve, totally. And and our farmers are going like, well, first of all, how do we know who's a good samurai? Right. Second, because a bunch of them are wimps like this guy. We don't want that. And the ones who are really good, well, they're too proud to... To work with us. So this is impossible. It's not going to work. But they're also giving up after two or three days. Like It's yeah. not it's not been that long. They've been there months and months and months. Well, well, frankly, I think Rikichi is the only guy that really wants to do this. Yes. They, Monzo oh, and yeah. Yohei don't want to do it. No, no. They're not into this at all. Right. 
John, I can't tell you how excited I am about the Cinephile's new sponsor, an absolutely incredible game, Marvel Strike Force. Now, anyone who's listened to the show knows that I've been reading comic books since I was five years old, and this is like a comic book fan's dream come true. You could create a mobile squad and play as your favorite Marvel characters. I mean, everyone is there. The Punisher, Vision, Black Panther, Cap, or even my favorite Marvel character of all time, Daredevil. Your goal is to power up those characters, unlock gear, and use them to compete in player versus player mode, alliance mode, and real-time arena. Yes, yeah, Stephen, as we speak, they are enjoying their six-year anniversary. Six years, wow. And you know what that means? Free stuff just for signing up via their unique link in the description. The anniversary consists of weekly events and bonuses. If you complete each event, you can receive special rewards and skins. Completing every single mission throughout the entire anniversary will result in an even more special reward. Make sure to log in each day and each week to take advantage of all the new characters that are being released specifically for this event. This will be Marvel Strike Force's most generous event to date, so don't miss out, y'all. Check out that unique promo code, and for every new user, please follow our link in the description and use the promo code MAXPOOL. Once again, Thank you so much to Marvel Strike Force. We're very, very excited to have you sponsoring this episode. And it's the, it's the next day, and this is where we get to, which is uh, Monzo, I think it is. He just wants to go home. Yeah. Um, by the way, this scene where they're arguing about going home is the first scene shot in the film. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. And he's like, let's just make a deal with the bandits. <laughs> and, and, and Rikichi is going, and he is really intense. He says, but tell me, if we do strike a bargain, what do we have to offer? Are you willing to give them your daughter? She's a fine-looking girl. And Monzo's reaction, I wonder if 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 Rikichi hadn't said this, yeah. would Monzo have done the things that he's going to do later in the film? That's what I think. I, I don't... Oh, 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 you think... Um, because he said that he put that idea in Monzo's head. I'm just wondering. I think they've always known Monzo's overprotective of his daughter. And so he hit him where he hurts. Can I, can I say one thing? It yeah. just occurred to me as you said that. Yeah. He is not overprotective. Okay. You know what I mean? I mean, I think the choices he makes might be foolish. He's a foolish man. <laughs> okay. But to, what are the odds that the bandits are going to rape the women in the village? Well, sure. Sure, sure. So sure. that... So the, but he didn't I ever mean, cut her hair for the bandits. He had her cut her hair for the samurai. That's true. No, that's, that's what that's I'm getting a, at. He's, well, but, and, but this <clears> is some stuff we're going to get into, which is... Uh, and, and later on in the film, his worry is not uh, unsupportable. Right. You know? Well, true. True. Yeah. He's a dad. Sure, sure, sure. We're near a stream... There's our peasants are kind of washing in the stream, and Takashi Shimura, Kambe Shimada walks by. Oh, this is so good. And there's a bunch of other villagers, peasants watching him, and he pulls out a knife and he cuts off his top knot. Yep. And the reaction is stunned. Well, because the top knot was a symbol of strength for the samurai, the virility, that kind of thing. It's it's pride, and to have it cut off. Because I remember even in Last Samurai, they make a big deal of the young samurai getting his top knot cu- top knot cut off in front of the uh, town in the town. It is literally a symbol of rank. Yeah, and to them, it is absolutely impossible that a person would choose to cut mm. off the thing mm. that is the most highly valued level of rank within the society. Right. And it, with casualness, Steve, with casualness. What's, what's funny, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking about that word casualness. Like he just made the decision and it's done. I, I, and that's what I mean. I don't mean he does it like uh, willy nilly. I mean, he go, once the decision is made, yes. there is no extra. That is, exa- that is what I think. Too. Yeah, yeah. I think, I think he, 
he contemplates it, yep. and then he decides, yep. which is so symbolic of who Kambe is mm-hmm. uh, in this film. Then he he bows to another man, hands him a razor, gets his head wet, kneels down, and the guy with the razor is nervous. Yeah, This is a scary thing to do. And what I love about Kambe and Takashi Shimura's performance is he is respectful of everybody. Yep. There's not that haughty samurai we saw a little while ago. Mm-hmm. This guy's the opposite. Mm-hmm. He is as gentle with the guy. He gives him the razor blade and he bows to him and he's patient and gentle in almost everything he does. Mm-hmm. He's, he, he, his character, just like Gorobe says later on in the film, I, I find your character fascinating. Yeah. That's how I feel about Kanbei. Yeah. I, I, I continually find him fascinating. He's one of the greatest kind of pseudo father figures you'll ever see in, in film. Totally. And what's so interesting, even if you didn't know anything about samurai culture or top knots mm-hmm. or the, you know, this era of japan you totally know what's going on yeah it is so the story is so well told more people are coming out to look and our guys say you know what's going on and, and we find out that there's some thief that's holed up in this room and he's like you guys are scared of getting a thief it's just right. one thief and they're like no he took a kid yeah he's holding a little kid and hostage. It's, it's the young samurai who's asking the young samurai that's who's right. asking about it uh, and it's our first introduction to him and he, his name is Katsushiro, mm-hmm. and I have the actor's name here, but now I don't see it, so I'll find it in a minute. Okay. Um, and, and as soon as we say that there's this kid, we hear the crying. Yeah. And they say he's been crying all day. He can barely make a sound now. Then they ask, well, who's this guy? Why is he shaving his head? And they're like, we don't know who he is, right. but he just said, you know, I'm going to shave my head and I want some monk's robes. And two rice balls. And two rice balls. Yeah. And then we cut to the shot again. Saying these shots are beautiful is it's it's gonna it's redundant. Mm-hmm. But the camera is dollying back as a woman runs towards us carrying the rice balls. She doesn't run exactly in a straight line, and she sort of almost mm-hmm. stumbles a little bit. And then we join with the crowd, and then we cut to another shot that's panning across the crowd. And then we see perfectly framed is Tashira Mufuni yes. as Kikuchi. Just looking back and from back to front, like from back. Then he turns and looks around, and when you look, when he looks around, you're like, okay, here's the introduction of the third one. I think that's the mom running around with the nice the with the yeah. rice balls. Yeah, yeah, it's the mom, and he's uh, Tashiro Mifune's got his big, big sword. By the way, so he's five foot eight. Oh, the sword is five feet. Wow, <laughs> it's a big. Okay. it's a big sword. Yes, uh, and what does he do? He scratches. Yeah, a gesture. And you remember I said that Kurosawa had worked out their gestures. I don't know that scratching was on the list, but I bet it was. Yeah, and much like his shoulder thing later in Yojimbo, and also Shimura throughout this whole movie scratching his head, constantly putting his hand over his head when he's contemplating yeah. something, or when he's been uh, when he's blushing almost yeah. from the adulation of the other samurai. Yeah, yeah. And uh, Toshiro Mifune looks at Takashi Shimura, and what I love in Shimura's performance is it seems like he's looking right through him. Yeah. You know, there's a moment of like, who are you? Yeah, yeah. Oh, I'm starting to see who you are. And it cuts back and forth. And Tashir Mifuni looks almost sheepish at a moment mm-hmm. at, under that stare. And then I almost feel like, and this is just me reading way too much into it, mm-hmm. that he goes, that person is interesting. I can't think about that person right now. Mm. I have to think about what I'm about to do. I have, mm-hmm. to, I have to be in this moment for this thing. That's what you mean Shimura is thinking. That's what Shimura is thinking. So in my mind, let me tell you what occurred to me this time, especially in retrospect, having seen the movie so many times. I think Mufuni is thinking, wait, this is a samurai I've never encountered before. Right. I hate all the samurai. I don't like all, like they all, whatever they did to my village, which we find out later, his anger towards the samurai right. stems from him being a farmer. 
This is a moment where he says to himself, this isn't a, a samurai I've never encountered before. This is a noble samurai. They're po- this is possible? Because the way he's looking at him is pure analysis. And yeah. you're like, it, it, can't, it doesn't process in his brain. Like, what could this actually be? Yes. Um, and, and I think that's because the hate, love, I want to be one of you that, that Kikuchi, Kik, I can't, never can say it, Kikuchio <laughs> yeah. feels about the samurai is so com- complicated, yes. and we see it play out for so long within this film. Yeah. And Kambe takes the rice bowls, the rice balls, and he walks out. And I love that the peasants sort of spread out behind him, and then and that Tashiro just walks up, kicks over some bucket, yeah. and sits down very aggressively <laughs> to, to watch what's about to happen. He's asserting his dominance. And Kambe walks up to this hut, and he says, I'm a monk, and he's very diffident. And he says, you know, I think the child might be hungry, and we yeah. can kind of hear the thief yelling sometimes articulately sometimes not and he says no no here let me give you some food for the kid and maybe you should have some food too you know i'm just gonna put them down here and he goes all right and he kind of squats down putting himself in like the lowest status position right you know he tosses the rice balls tosses the rice in and then it looks like he's about to walk away yeah he stands up and he's looking and then he moves and then he moves in and then this moment is so great. Mm-hmm. And this is where I think Kurosawa is able to do something that is really entertaining and really cool yeah. and really moving, which is that thief staggers in very slow motion out of that hut. Yeah. And the way he stands on his toes, off balance, is such an amazing image in film. Yeah. And Kurosawa intercuts it with people, the the peasants and Tashirmafuni and all of them moving at normal speed. And my understanding, and I, it, this is what is said, this is the first intercutting of slow motion. There have been slow motion before. Oh, wow. But intercutting slow motion with normal speed stuff in an action sequence, this is the first example. Wow. It is stunning visually. Mm-hmm. And then Takashi Shimura comes out. He throws down the bloody sword. The guy is still teetering. And then he falls right. again in slow motion. Um, that actor, by the way, is the innkeeper in Yojimbo. Oh, nice. Oh, cool. And the mother runs up and he gives the kid to the to the mom. Mm-hmm. And then he just kind of fades away. Yeah. He's not interested. Yeah, hands the robes back to, back to the monk and walks yep. off. You know who is interested? Tushir Mifuni. <laughs> he runs up, grabs the bloody sword, poses, yeah. cheers, yells, puts his foot on the thief. <laughs> and everyone crowds around him. Right. It's such an odd moment. It's an animalistic moment. Right? Totally. Yeah, and I think that's what, you know, uh, when doing research or reading about the this situation, you know, he told Mufuni, you can go as far as you want. Be an animal. Be this is what you are. And so when you see him do certain moments or certain have certain scenes, rather, in the movie where he is animalistic, and I don't mean animal like, I mean animalistic in the way he's even reacting to things, that's where it comes from. Well, and I love it. There is a long history that we could have whatever feelings we want about of mm. people posing with people that they kill. Very good points. You know, absolutely. That is a that is a traditional thing mm-hmm. that humans do that Kambe would never do. Right, but he would. Tashir Mifuni would. Right. Um, uh, here's an interesting thing I didn't know. Kambe's character is based on a real dude. Oh, he's based on. I think this is the name Kamizumi Nobutsuna. Okay. He is an interesting guy. So this is a guy who lived at this era. era. He was a general. He developed his own uh, sword technique, which mm. is called uh, Shinkage Ryu. 
Okay. And this is also known as the Shadow Sword. And it was mostly about using your enemy's movements and energy against them, which sounds a lot like Aikido. There's no relationship wow. to Aikido as far as I know. He did save a kid by shaving his head, dressing as a monk, huh. and using rice balls. This is exactly what wow. he did. Wow. He did end up becoming a Zen monk after mm. leaving the life of a soldier. He taught uh, swordsmanship for years. This is one of the most important sword styles in the history of Japan. And one of his students is a, a guy named Yagyu. Have you heard this name? No. So if you read stories, mm. including the Musashi stories and Lone Wolf and Cub, mm. all that are about this era, the most one of the most famous families is the Yagyu family. Okay. And their style of swordsmanship, which is probably the most influential si style of swordsmanship in the history of Japan. Yeah. Uh, maybe some Japanese scholars will tell me that I'm wrong, but this is my understanding is one of the most. Um, they 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 were the people who trained the Shogun's family. Oh wow. Were the Yagyu's. The bad guys in the Lone Wolf and Cub comic book series are the Yagyu's. Oh yeah, okay. Yeah. The, 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 this is like a really and this guy is the guy who taught them. Right. And that is the guy who uh, Kambe is based on. Those dudes are always wearing those baskets over their heads. <laughs> right. So Some of them in Lone Wolf and Cub. Yeah, yeah, some yeah. Some of the ninjas were, yeah. Yeah, then that film sounds familiar. Then. Yeah. Y -A -G -Y -U, um, yeah. One other thing about this is that, that I was thinking about this. In terms of symbolism, cutting off the, the top knot mm. is uh, letting go of your samurai status. Oh, interesting. Okay. But samurai code, it does talk about protecting the weak. Right, And so I think, because that's why I go to this moment where you say he casually cuts this off, is that mm -hmm. he decides that the symbol is less important than the reality right. of following the code. Right. And and again, we have this thing. We had Rikichi stepping out of the circle. We have Kambe cutting off his top knot. Yeah. Again, what is your role? And we, of course, have Kikuchio. Yeah. I'm going to struggle the You're going to get show. it at some point. I don't know why. It just <laughs> won't play in my mouth very well. Kikuchio. He's the peasant who's becoming pretending to be the samurai. Right. And and so he is putting on some of the stuff, mm -hmm. but doesn't internally represent what a samurai is, at least not yet. Yeah. You know? Um the peasants go, that's our guy. Yeah. Let's go off and ask him. I mean, we, you know, he he's the right person, obviously. Mm -hmm. And we see Kambei walking away up the street with a beautiful horizon shot in the distance, rubbing his head. That's the first of mm -hmm. that gesture. Mm -hmm. You have you shaved your head real? Oh we, no, you must well, the military. The military. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You rubbed your head a bunch. I bet. Oh sure, I yeah. love doing that when I when I shave my head. Yeah, me too. Mm. Um, it's the best. Um, and we and our farmers are going to go. Okay, Rikichi is going to go ask him, and he goes up to ask him. Except. Who blazes by him but Tashiro Mufuni, who pushes him back. Mm. And Tashiro comes up kind of leaping. I mean, the physicality of his performance. Yeah. It, I think it goes right to the edge where the, I would go, this is crazy. Oh, yeah. And yet it totally works. He is jumping and leaping and posing. And as he is about to talk <laughs> to Kambe, who roots up but uh, Katushi, Katsushiro uh, Okamoto. With his name, I did find his name now. Yeah. His name is Isai Kimura. Mm -hmm. That's the actor playing this part. Yeah. And he immediately drops down on his knees and kowtows and says, I want to be your disciple. Yeah. Which really humbles... Uh humbles uh come by because he doesn't believe in it he's like you you don't need to be my disciple just stand up so i can look at you and talk to you so even in the moment when someone is deferring themselves to him he does not want to accept the deferment he wants to talk to that person face to face and again it's this rec 
uh, rejection of traditional hierarchy. Yes, exactly. He says, no, let's just stand up and talk. And I'm just a Ronin. I'm yeah. a, I don't have disciples. I love Ronin. Um, and he says, I love this. He says, I've seen my share of battles, but always on the losing side. That about sums me up. Better not to follow such an unlucky man. <laughs> to which Katsushiro's response is, I am determined to follow you whether you allow me to or not. Yeah. And just as we're having this conversation, up comes the Shirmafuri yeah. again, swaggering and sheepish alternately. And it's interesting. We're in a wide-angle lens now. Mm. Uh, Kurosawa is known really in from this point forward as a guy who loved long lenses. Yeah. Um, pr- this is the first movie he really used them in. Previous to that, he was really using wide-angle lenses. And it's, you know, we said before in the show, but to, you know, is that in a wide lens you see a wide area, right, right. and things that are close look really big, and things that are medium distance can look really, really small, and it's easy to keep things in focus. Yeah. Long lenses flatten stuff out, and it's harder to keep everything in focus. And we'll talk about that in a little while. Right, right now he's in a wide lens because when Shirmafuni walks by, at one point the hilt of his sword is right up in front of the camera, mm-hmm. and it looks huge, and then. Uh, his head is smaller, Kambe's head even smaller, and then the farmers in the background, much, much smaller. That's yeah. how we know we're in a wide-angle lens. Yeah. And uh, Kambe asks, can I help you? No answer. And the kid is upset. Like, how dare you yeah. disrespect this obviously great man? <laughs> Kambe's not upset. And he goes, are you a samurai? Does Kambe know from the first moment he sees him? Yeah. I think so, too. Of course. I think a samurai knows a samurai, right? Is, there's a line... I think Kambe knows. Right. I don't know that everyone would. Well, okay, fine. Kambe knows. Yeah, that's a fair point. Kambe knows. Um, much like what, the, what we see, and I don't know if the line has already happened where the farmer says, we're just farmers. We know a good seed from a bad seed. We don't know which one's a good samurai, which one's a bad samurai. Oh, that's a great point. Kambe is the same thing. He'll know, he'll know, he'll know who's a samurai, who's not. That's why he develops all those tests later to figure out who's a good samurai, who isn't a good samurai, right. to recruit them into the seventh samurai. Well, and, and this is, of course, part of what he knows is that lots of samurai are not good samurai. Right. Um, and one other thing is... Or they claim to be samurai. One other thing about Kikuchio... Nice. That time. All right. Good job. Kikuchio is that he doesn't have a short sword. Right. Short sword is part of it. And his long sword, which is very long, yeah. he does not treat respectfully. No. He handles it in ways that a samurai really wouldn't. Right. Well, and this goes to his sort of... It's so interesting, his disdain for the class that he's imitating. Yeah. Is I think he's walking around daring people to to challenge him. Of course. Yeah. That's what he wants. So yeah, yeah. so he doesn't treat his sword. No. Uh and finally now this gives an opening for the peasants. And he and by the way, when he goes away feeling disrespected by Kambe, which as you said, might be the first samurai that he really does yeah. respect, yeah. he picks up a big rock and throws it into a stream in anger. Mm-hmm. And finally, Rikichi has a chance to run by and bows in front of Kambe. I think my favorite moment is uh, this whole exchange is when Kambe just says, I wonder. When he just says, I wonder. I wonder. That's great. That that's, Sometimes you don't need to say a lot to undercut somebody. Just two words sometimes can be just enough. Well, and this goes to, I think, um, Kurosawa's efficiency as mm. a filmmaker and as an editor. That's enough. And the next thing we're going to see that's also extremely efficient, we don't have Rikichi explain or ask the question. We cut yeah. to after they've already had yes. the conversation. Yeah, because we, we already know. We already know. We yeah. don't need to see all that. Right, right. And he, Takashi Shimura is clearly thinking about yeah, it. Yeah, obviously. But m- in his head. But mostly thinking about that, he says, it'll never work. Mm. And the kid is going, but we could arm them with bamboo spears. And he's like, I know that. <laughs> and he starts asking some questions about the village. And one of the first ones, he says, okay, so there's mountains on one side. Yes. Can horses get through the mountains? And Rikichi enthusiastically says, hi. And 
doesn't understand that that's a bad thing. Right. That's a point against him. And what he's what Kambe comes up with is analysis immediately mm-hmm. is we need seven dudes. We need three dudes in the middle and four dudes to 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 be in charge of north, south, east, west. Yeah. There's no way we could do it with four. And finding seven good samurai that will work for food and nothing else, that's pretty unlikely. Yeah. And and of course they're also going, look, the, the old man said we should get four. We're not supposed to get seven. Right. And the last thing he says is only those out to fight for the hell of it will agree. Mm. And he says, besides, I'm sick of fighting. Age, I suppose. This is the first hint of the, how much of a reflective samurai he is. Yeah. Um, and you speak about the gentleman he's based on, right? This idea that he transitioned into being a monk. This is that transition time, it seems yeah. like, that he's capturing here in the, in the film. This idea of like, yes, I'm tired of fighting. Uh, I'm just old. I'm just done with it. And that's what happens. Listen, that's what happens. I used to love to battle in my 20s and go and get arguments with people in my 20s and early 30s. Now as I'm older, it's exhausting. Well, and I go back to, I fought in many battles, always on the losing side. (laughs) Yeah, right. You know, I mean, that's what, it's funny. This is the, Kambe's always been my favorite. Right. And I've always, I mean, I think when I was a young man, I wanted to be the swordsman, Kyozo. Uh, mm. Oh, Kyozo's great. He's just, I was like, that's really cool. Right, right. But, but I always have been drawn to Kambe. Um, and <laughs> as now, as the, the statement, I fought in many battles, always on the losing side, yeah. that's how I feel. <laughs> you know, yeah. I've made films, yeah. but always on the losing side. Mm-hmm. And the, the disappointment and the, like, the hardness of fighting the battle, you know? That's funny, because I've always connected the... Kikuchu, is that how you say it? Yeah. Is that how you say it, Steve? Kikuchu. Kikuchu. But this idea of... No, it's Kikuchio. Kikuchio, sorry. Wanting to be something and even putting on the clothes of something to try to be that thing uh, and always being afraid of being found out. That's the actor's curse, is always being afraid to find out that you're not as right. good as you think you are or you actually are terrible. And so well, well, I and, always gravitate to And the to that. pretending to be things and, and, and yeah. Right. What, what's so funny... I knew that you associated with Kikuchio. <laughs> of course. And I knew I associated with Kambe. I mean, that's like... It just works. <laughs> it's just, it's just, I mean, the outlaw. <laughs> There's a lot of Kikuchio yeah, there is, outlaw. There is. Um, <laughs> and he's heading out. Kambe's yeah. grabbing his hat. And we hear the droning voice rise up. Yeah. And Rikichi weeps. And they look back. And you know who saves the day in this moment? It's those assholes. Yeah. Because they say... Oh, glad I wasn't born a peasant. It's better to be born a dog, which, again, they're being assholes. Yeah, yeah. But then he says, what do you know about these farmers suffering? And the kid is getting indignant. How Again, how dare right, you right, talk right. to Kambe like this? And he's even ready to draw his sword and fight the guy. And they're like, oh, we like fighting samurai. And the big guy gets yeah, up. Right. And we think we're going to have an action sequence. And uh, Kambe stops it. And the bully grabs the rice and says, look, this is your dinner. This is what they fed you. You know what they've been eating? They've been eating millet. They eat millet and feed you rice. (laughs) And then we hear for the first time the samurai theme. Yeah. And then Kambe says, all right, then. And he takes the rice and holds it out with the rice in the foreground yeah. and the peasants in the background. Right. And he says, I won't let this rice go to waste. And Rikichi bows. They're so overwhelmed by that gesture. 
Well, right. and so is he. Yes. Like he is he and this is the thing, he's Kambe sees. Like once he understands, yeah. he see you know, like that's again I, I'm really glad you said it at the beginning of the cutting off of the mm. of the top knot. Once he saw that that was the right thing to do, he did it. Yep. It might take him a second to see the truth. He didn't quite see it until they said mm-hmm. they give you rice and they eat millet. Yeah. But once he saw it, he says, okay. He's in. Yeah. Yep. That's great. I was weeping huh? at this scene. I oh, was yeah? weeping. Yeah. It just really, for some reason, it really hit me hard. Well, I think we all, I mean, you're such a uh, massive guy in the martial arts, you know, the, uh, yeah, I'm just I, saying, I wouldn't put it that way. I'm saying I, you're into it. I'm, I'm saying you're into it. it. Sure. Yeah. And I'm saying the, the core of martial arts is to be in service of others, to be in service. It's the core principle of samurai yeah. and martial artists yep. is to be in service of the others. Even Bruce Lee with all his desire to be successful and to be seen and to change things. It was in service of what he thought was the better narrative exactly. of inclusion that everyone can be a part of this. And so in this moment, it's the same thing. It's this idea of giving of yourself for a better cause. Even if you're going to die, there's a nobility in that. Yep. Yeah. And we don't see that often nowadays anymore like we used to growing up, you and I. Well, I think this is off the topic and and, and I don't mean we won't mm. go on a huge digression, but I think one of the great mistakes that we've made is reducing everyone's motivation today to money. Yeah. We say, we hear it all the time. People are just, and, and, and of course, people are motivated by money. Of course. I just don't think people are only motivated by money. Right. I think people are motivated by other stuff that's in a balance with their own personal gain. And some people put personal gain real high. Right. And that's fine. And some people put it real low. But if you look at nurses and teachers and policemen and firemen and mm-hmm. artists and all sorts of people and family members and great grandmas and all sorts of people are being motivated by all sorts of stuff other than money. Right. And this one of honor and of doing what is right that is what I think that is one of the best things about humans. And yeah. when we just talk about money stuff, then we really reduce it. We're back at the village. Oi! Oi! And we say, hey, look, guys, it's great. We're going to get some samurai. Seven. Seven. Yeah. The old man said four. <laughs> Let's go talk to the old man. I love this scene. Yeah. They go to the old man. And they say, um, I know you said four, but we got seven. And he says, oh. I thought I thought we'd need at least ten, but I figured if I told you ten, you'd come back with fifteen. 15 right? <laughs> That's funny. And, and there's and, and of course Monzo is getting is still upset by this, mm-hmm. and he's saying, "Oh look, the girls are going to go crazy about the samurai." And the old man says, "Bandits are coming. Your head is on the block, and you're worrying about the whiskers." Right. And Manzo doesn't take the lesson. Oh no! He just no. kind of grumbles inside with his face, and then later he does what he does. Let's go build the team. Yeah, we need to get some samurai, and we get that great music. And Rikichi goes out and asks the samurai, "Like, sir, we need your help with something." And inside, uh, Kambe is sitting there, and he gestures to Katsushiro and says, "Hey, take this stick." And he kind of shows, "This is what I want you to yeah, do." Motion. And, and he and Katsushiro is like, "On you, you want me to do what now? <laughs> Paint the fence. That's <laughs> what I do. Paint the fence." Well, this is way the fence doesn't hit back. <laughs> The fence isn't walking in the room with a big sword. That's true. It also is not dishonorable to paint the fence, to stand behind inside the door with a big stick mm. and just knock someone on the head when they can't see you is not a cool... This does not seem like good samurai behavior, but he goes, okay. And, and Kame even says, don't hold back. Yeah. Like, hit him for real. And I love Yohei. He's <laughs> always scared. Yeah. He's the best scared face. 
and he goes and hides behind like you know some something to protect himself because right. this doesn't look like it's going to go well. And up walks this samurai, and uh, Katsushiro has his uh, stick over his head. And man, the minute he walks to the door, he catches that stick, tosses Katsushiro across, and his hand is on his sword, and he is ready to immediately draw. right as as you would be. Yes, you were ambushed. Yeah, uh, and comic jumps up. Excellent. You know, please don't take offense. And he says who he is. And he says, we're seeking expert swordsmen and I have no time to waste. Please forgive me. And the guy's kind of going, what? <laughs> it takes him a second to kind of come down. And then they explain the, the gig, you know, fighting for food for a bunch of farmers. And this guy says, nonsense. My ambitions are much bigger than that. I love that line. It struck me so well this time. My ambitions are bigger than that. This idea that helping these defenseless people, which is in essence the code of the samurai, right. is not where his ambitions are at. His ambitions are to be of a higher status, to have more nobility in his defense or his usage of his skills. And in that way, he is in essence going against the code of the Bushido, going against the samurai. And that, I found that to be fascinating. Well, and this is, again, I, the, like you just said, I, chasing money. The it, you know, This is the ultimate samurai film. Mm -hmm. And this film is deconstructing the ultimate vision of the samurai. Yeah. It's saying these are people right. and they're different and they have different priorities. And there could be a guy that, because my assumption is this guy's a pretty good swordsman. Yes. He's good. And he's, which means he's trained and he's worked hard. And yet his value system is not to go defend some farmers, which honestly, my guess is in this era, that's the majority. Right. The majority, of course. you know, to go, you know, right. they're supposed to fight in battles for lords. And that's what a samurai is supposed to do. How many people take a Saturday to go help at a food bank or go help at a homeless shelter? Yeah. No, there's no money in it. Why yeah. would I go? And he heads out. And the peasants are, you know, sad about this. Mm. And we hear, again, we hear our samurai theme. Now it's played in sort of minor tones. More samurai are passing by. And it's a busy street. And we see another guy. And this is Gorobe. Gorobe Katayama. He's played by Yoshio uh, Inabe. Mm -hmm. And he goes over and watches some kids play. I love him. Yeah. Love him. Just a ball of sunshine, that guy. And he, uh, and Rikichi goes up to him. And, and Katsushiro says to Kambe, you know, we're going to do the... I, I get it now. You want me to do the thing at the door? He's like, yeah, yeah, go ahead. Now he's excited to do it. And he's standing behind that door with his thing. And we see Gorobe walking towards the door. And he gets about four or five feet away. Yeah. And then he stops. He takes a little step back. And then that big smile. <laughs> and he says, surely you jest. Right. Um, and I love Kambe jumps up and says, no offense intended. Uh, and, and runs over to the door. And again, we get a jump cut here to him of having told him yep. the whole story already. Yep. Don't need to waste any time seeing the story being told over and over again. And he's thinking about it. Yeah. And then he turns and he smiles. Mm -hmm. And he says, I love this. He says, but I have to say that although I understand the farmer's suffering and why you take up their cause, it's your character that I find most compelling. In life, one finds friends in the strangest of places. Yeah. This is an instant friendship. Oh, yeah. And what's so interesting, he is instantly his right-hand man. Yep. There is no question. And, and I think they have enough shared experience and enough – they get it. They, mm. get, they get what the other one is yeah. and what the other one brings and how this is all supposed to work. I don't think Garobe would be as good a leader as Kambe, mm -hmm. but he's close. Right. He totally gets it. And I think he also gets why Kambe is his senior. Yeah. You know? Yeah, it's a great relationship. Agreed. 
we fade in. It's later. Uh, Rikichi is making uh, fire. He calls off to Yohei, hey, let's get some rice. And Yohei is weeping. Someone stole the rice. Yeah. And the reaction from Rikichi. And rice, by the way, in Japan in this era was wealth. Mm. Like the way that you, uh, like a lord would say, oh, we're going to give you, I think it's Koku would be the name. He has a new attendant he wants to give a raise to. We're going to give you three more Koku of rice a year. Mm. Is that the rice was the actual currency. And that that's what it was really used for. So this idea that rice as wealth is really true in this moment. Right. And Yohei's like, no, I was guarding it. I slept holding on to it, but someone stole our rice. We only got a handful left. And Riki's just like, well, I'll run home to the village and get more. It's like, well, what am I going to feed the samurai while you're gone? Yeah. And the shot of Yohei picking up one grain of mm. rice at a time, that is powerful. Mm-hmm. And what comes into that frame? couple of coins couple of coins yeah. from katsushiro yeah now we already knew i think based on his costume and his carriage and his hair that this is a rich kid yeah you know what i mean mm-hmm. but this solidifies it and they look at him and are stunned with his yeah. generosity yeah and he kind of goes shut up you know stop stop master's coming don't and he's embarrassed yeah by that i i really wonder what happens to katsushiro after i think this journey I don't know that his parents wanted him to go off on this journey, right, whatever right, this right, is. Right, right. And I think him finding Kambe and meeting the peasants and having this experience where he, I don't think he had any sympathy for yeah. farmers before this, but now he sees them as human. Yeah. He is slowly becoming something. Yes. It'd be interesting to revisit him. Who's his character in Magnificent Seven? Well, that's the so we haven't talked a lot about Magnificent. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I mean, I I will direct you to our episode on Magnificent sure. Seven. Yes, I still go. adore that movie. I will watch Magnificent Seven anytime. Same it's here. Totally fun. Absolutely. But what they do that's so interesting is they. I think this this is my gut, mm. not having ever spoken to Mr. Sturges who directed it, but I think they went, we cannot do Toshiro Mifune. Right. Like, we can't match that. And so what they did was they took some traits from Toshiro Mifune and gave them over here in yeah. some cases because the kid yeah. is the farmer. Right. As opposed to a rich kid. Right. And so he does the things, some of the things where he's pretending to be a gunslinger when really he's the farmer. Right. But he also is the one that finds the girl. Yes, and some of the crazy elements of Toshiro Mifune's character they give to Robert Vaughn. Right. He's the craziest of the group. Yes. But there isn't a Mifune. Yeah, and that's what I know? think happens. That's what I think is interesting when I was watching this time. So I was trying to compare. Because obviously McQueen is the smiling guy. Yeah, who's the second right command. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But he has elements of Mif- of uh, Mifune as well. Being, coo- the being coolest cool. The, the coolest of the cool. Exactly, yeah. exactly. So it's very interesting how they did all that. Well, and it's funny. Like, we already passed one of the other moments is the... Oh, they're feeding you the good food while they give you the rice. Right, right. That exists in Magnificent Seven when they're already at the village. Yep. And, and yet, and it's a totally good scene and it's totally enjoyable, yeah. but it doesn't have the wallop no. that the scene with Kambe and the bowl of rice has. Mm-hmm. It's just not because Magnificent Seven is taking. Kurosawa wanted to do an entertainment that was really about something. Yeah. And Magnificent Seven is an entertainment. Yes. You know, and it has some moments that there are, are moments that might be deep. But it isn't that. But it's try. It's right. not trying to. It's a two-hour movie, not a three-and-a-half-hour movie. And it's trying to just be like, here's all the fun stuff. Yeah. And it's totally fun, and I totally like it. It is. Um, and now in walks Takashi Shimura with a new character. Yeah. And this is uh, Shichi Roji. Uh, this is played by Daisuke Kato. I think he's sort of the least developed of the seven. Oh, character? Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. because he's also the most familiar to, to Kambe. Yeah. So, therefore, there isn't – just by connection, you go, okay – 
If he's friends with him, he's been a long time right. friends with him. We don't need to. And we we hear just a little bit about some crazy battle they were both involved yeah. in that they got separated and this guy barely survived. Yeah, when the fire came down in the building. Yeah, yeah. And then he he looks at him and and tells him a little bit about this job. And he says he says sick of fighting yet. Truth is, there's a tough battle ahead, leading to no wealth and no rank. Are you with us? And he says, hi. And he smiles. <laughs> yeah. Big, huge smile. Right. And then the last thing he says is, maybe this is the one that kills us. Right. Yeah. And that's the Steve McQueen line. Yeah. And so it's very interesting how this all kind of plays out in right. its way. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Garobe is somewhere getting some food from some guy, and he's we're talking about samurai. And the guy he's talking to says, oh, well, there's this one samurai who's got, you know, a lot of nerve. You know, he came up and said, feed me, and then offered to chop wood, and he's chopping wood in the back, uh, which, of course, is the Charles Bronson yes. invitation now that we're talking about yeah, yeah. Magnificent Seven, um, although this character is very different from Charles Bronson. Yes. And he goes, oh, let me go see, and he walks back, sees this guy give a big yell and cut a piece of wood perfectly, mm-hmm. and then he just, uh, Grobe just kind of sits down to watch. And this actor, whose name is Minoru Chiaki, who plays Heihachi, uh, he goes, what is this guy looking at me for? Chop some more wood. The guy's still looking at him. And I love that he reaches over and moves his sword (laughs) out of this guy's reach. Um, Just in case. And by the way, I think I probably asked you this when we talked about Charles Bronson, but have you chopped wood? Yes, of course. It's hard. It is hard. Like, I... I have chopped wood and I have split wood. Mm-hmm. I don't think I could split five perfectly in a row. No, no. You know, it's you got to hit it just right. It takes training. Yeah. Um, and uh, and finally he turns around and says, you never see a man uh, split wood before? And Garobe says, I've never seen someone do it with such relish. And <laughs> Heihachi laughs. I love his laugh. Yeah. And he says, you're very good. And Heihachi says, nothing compared to how I cut down men. Oh, there it is. Yeah. But then he undercuts it because he says, have you cut down many? And he says, that I have. There's no cutting me off when I start cutting. So I make it uh, I make it a point to run away first. Mm. So he immediately undercuts his bravado right. with a joke. Um, he says, a good approach. And they say, thank you. And he starts to chop some more wood. And then he says, do you feel like cutting down 30 bandits? And he misses. <laughs> Great comedic moment. It's a great moment. Yeah. And we and again, the efficiency, we're in a three and a half hour movie, yeah, yeah. but it is super efficient. We get the both these guys, Garobe and Heihachi, right away, we love them. Yep. You totally love these guys. Yeah. Um, it's time for the duel. Yeah. Katsushiro and Kambe walk up and we see these two samurai and they are pulling out and stripping down bamboo to make two uh, shinai, we would say. And uh, the actor who plays Kyozo, the, the, the samurai, is Seiji Miyaguchi. Mm-hmm. And this character is also based on a real person. This is based on Musashi. Okay. This is Musashi Miyamoto. He is the most famous samurai and swordsman in the history of Japan. Mm-hmm. He's the guy who wrote the Book of Five Rings, which is along probably with Sun Tzu's The Art of War, one of the most read books on strategy and martial arts that there is. Uh, he, he did, in fact, for his most famous duel, use a wooden sword. The other guy had a real sword, and wow. he just killed him with a wooden sword. There's one story about him that he fought 80 men and killed them. But he also studied calligraphy and pottery and right. painting and flower arrangement and tea ceremony. Is that he was a, and again, he was a foot soldier mm-hmm. who was in the Battle of Sekigahara. So this is right around the same era. And that he went on this journey to become what is, you know, the the 
patron saint of swordsmen and mm. samurai. Um, there is a book uh, about him, which for, not because of this, but I just reread. I'd read it in my 20s yeah. and written by um, Eiji Yoshikawa. Uh, and this is the great romantic epic. It's one of the most famous series of books written in Japan. He also wrote the book about Hideyoshi, the guy who became the Taiko he oh, talked wow. about. Taiko is a great book, which okay. I've also read. Um, and that he, based on these books is the movies I know you've seen, which is Samurai 1, 2, and 3 yes. with Tashir Mifune yep. playing Musashi. Yeah. Oh, right. Yeah. Right, right, right. That's who this guy mm. is based on. Okay. And when they first started work on this movie, Tashir Mifune was going to play Kyozo. Oh, how interesting. And it's so great that he didn't. Yes. I mean, he goes on to play Musashi in the most famous films ever made about that character. But this guy is great. Yeah. And Tashir Mifune is so much better doing what he's doing in this film. Uh, you know, as great as he is in this film, I do enjoy the more laid back Mifune because the rage is always bubbling underneath. Oh, yeah. The explosion always, is always waiting to happen. Even Sword of Doom, he's fantastic yeah. with, with Tatsuya Nakadai going toe to toe. I mean, just the difference is great, man. Yeah. They face off, they get in stances. Uh, they start. I, I'm going to tell you what the stances are, just because it's interesting <laughs> to me. Maybe not anyone else. They start in Chudan no Kamai, which is middle guard, um, and then we see uh, Takashi Shimura and Katsushiro. They're looking back and forth, and they look at the guy who's clearly not our expert swordsman. Right, and then right. we look over at our guy Kyozo, who has a great look, and they back away from each other. And uh, the guy who's not our main character who I don't have a name for. He switches to Jodan, which is which is high guard. And then uh Kyozo switches to Wake no Kamai, which is low guard. Mm. And and the reason I bring this up, this is how this is like Kendo talk. Mm. Is like, oh you're gonna do this, I'm gonna do this. These are like the chess moves, the postures. Right. And the interesting thing about Wake no Kamai is he brings the sword back over here. It's an opening. Yeah. Uh, it's saying come on in. You know, right. and one of the swordsman philosophies is if I just have my guard like this, well, you're never going to do anything because I'm protected. Right. Is I got to create an opening so you can move and then I can cut you. Right. Uh, and that's what's happening in this moment. And then there's a scream and our guy attacks and they seem to hit just about exactly at the same time. Mm. The the strike Kyozo uses is Kesakake, which is a strike diagonally through the shoulder and the body mm -hmm. using the hips to rotate for the sword. This is like, you know. Some stuff that I've done. Sure. I'm not in any way claiming to be a good swordsman at all, <laughs> but I have done it a little bit. Um, okay. And the guy says, oh, too bad. It's draw. Nope. Yeah. I won. And of course, since we're talking about Magnificent Seven, this is James Colbert. Yeah. yeah. And the knife. And, the knife. Um, and he says, oh, that's ridiculous. And he says, if we use steel, you'd be dead now. And okay, let's fight with steel. Ugh. Yeah. What an idiot. Don't throw your life away. But he draws his sword, and as soon as he draws his sword, it's like, okay. Yeah. And again, we go back to these same poses, exact same poses we saw before. And Takashi Shimura is looking back and forth, and he says, this is preposterous. Right. There's no contest. Because he knows. Because he knows. Yep. And they step in. It's exactly the same attack, except that our guy steps more off the line. That would be the Aikido term. Mm -hmm. It's getting off the line. So the other sword misses him, and he cuts through. And again, that slow motion fall. Yeah. Here's the crazy thing that I just learned, and I can't believe it. Oh. Seji Miyaguchi had never played a samurai mm. and had never handled a sword until about three days before this. Oh, wow. I don't believe it. That's what they say. But I just, the <laughs> way he holds the sword, like you look at his hands, yeah. you look at his posture, you look at his body posture, which is leaned slightly forward, which we would say like his key is forward, his key yeah. is extended. 
it looks like the real deal. <laughs> it does. I, and to me, those are things like I don't see how you can fake that. Well, you know, you could because there's no cuts. Maybe just an instinctual guy for this kind of stuff. He looks great, and then maybe that's why he was cast. Maybe, yeah. It's later on, and we meet up with Gorobe, and 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 he says, "Hey, what happened?" He's like, "Oh, we lost the big fish." Yeah, you know, which and, is interesting because did they pitch him or did they not pitch him? They pitched him because okay. he says he says I told him about it. Oh, okay. and and, yeah, right, right, right. and he says, "But I told him where we're staying." Yeah. You know, in case he changes his mind, but he's only, and he describes he's only interested in challenging himself as a swordsman. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. And again, it's a different character. Yeah. You know, and Garobe says, well, I caught one and I love his description. He says, as a swordsman, he's barely mediocre to which Kame's like barely mediocre. And then he goes on. He says, but as an honest, amusing man, something about, about him brightens one's spirits. He'll be a pleasure in hard times. Mm. And I love Kame goes, Yeah. Yeah. Sounds good. Yeah. Um, if you vouch for him, okay. And we go inside. Oh, and he also says, like, oh, and one of my old, you know, soldier right. guys, right. he's also joining us. He's the one dressed as a peasant. And we go inside. And I just thought this was something I picked up on this time that I never picked up on before. Watch Sh- uh, Shichiroji, his friend, yeah. when uh, Kambe enters the room. Yeah. There's a je- there's almost a jealousy or a threatened. Is that what you think? No, no, that's what not what think? I think at all. Well, again, I mean, we we don't know. Okay. So first of all, he's sewing, which yes. is a very unusual thing to see him doing. And then the minute Kambe walks in, he jumps up and says, "I'll get some water." Oh, right. Yes, yes, yes. I th- what I didn't understand until watching it this time, he's a sergeant. Oh, Do you know what I mean? Right. He's not an officer. Right. Like, is that is that they're they've known each other a long time and they fought in many battles together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I always go like, why is Garobe the second in command when this guy he's known for a long time? Right. I don't think he ever thinks he would be second in command. Right. He because he jumps up and says, "I'll get some water." I think it's a, there's a definite Kambe is yeah. a high level officer and yeah. and this other guy is not. It's a rank situation. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And now we meet Heihachi, mm. who says, "I'm a modest warrior of the woodchop school." <laughs> All right, and now we've got maybe half of our samurai put together. Yeah. Let's take a moment to hear from our sponsors. Okay, welcome back. Um, yeah. We sit down, and Kambe says, we've got three more to go. And they go, no, we got two more. What about the kid? Mm. And he says, no, we're going to send him home. Yeah. And Katsushira, not happy about this at all. Yeah, and to his credit, he doesn't react in an angry way. He yeah. reacts more, and I want to do this. And Shimura says, "No, I know you're, but you're. I was you. I was young like you once." And this is where he drops yeah. the knowledge, right? I'm, I'm not jumping too far ahead. No, no, you're I'm, exactly this right. This is where he drops the knowledge. It says, "Yeah, I was." And then you'll, you know, you should go and train, and then think you're going to be serve a lord. Then you yourself become a lord, and then blah blah blah. But while you're doing that, your hair is going to get gray. Your parents are going to die, and you're going to be living alone. I want to I want to correct you just a tiny yeah, yeah, bit of because course, of because I think this line is so interesting because that's what I thought he said too. Yeah. But then because of course I'm typing and trying to yeah, write yeah. down everything he's saying. This is what he actually says. He says everything you just said, and then he says, "But as you dream those dreams, dream those dreams yeah. your hair will go gray." That's what I mean. Like, yeah. He's not actually saying you are going to become the. No, Lord. no, he's, he isn't. He's, he's saying you're going to be dreaming about yes. that, and he's saying you're going to spend your whole life thinking it's going to happen, and you're going to wake up one day and you're old because com- it didn't happen for combat. Yeah. That's what he thought was going to happen, and he was a general yeah. or a, a high leader, a high officer in some of these things, mm-hmm. and that didn't happen to him. And then he says, as he rubs his head, by that time you've lost your parents, you're all alone, and you see the samurai, the other samurai in the room, react to this. Yeah, because that's how they all feel. So did I. Yeah, I mean. So did I. Yeah. You just, it's true. And listen, for anybody who's listening to us when you're in your 20s or teens or God forbid your early 30s, 
that moment will come for you too. You will wake up one day and you will be like, holy shit, I actually am old. Yeah. I actually, some, I've like these things that I thought I could, I still had time for, I don't anymore. Yeah. And they, they may not, you, you may still find your way to do other things, but you will feel that in an organic, instinctive way inside you. And how you navigate that will define the rest of your life. Well, that moment, the rest of your life. I don't mean the life before, I mean the rest of your life. Because some people climb, fall down into that pit and never come back out again because they didn't accomplish everything they wanted to accomplish. Uh, and some people will fight to still have some life that has meaning and accept that they couldn't get all that done in the time that they thought they could. Well, and, and the scene is, A, it's very somber. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the staging is fascinating because you have Kambay in the foreground on the right side of the frame looking left to right in profile. Yeah. And you have Katsushiro slightly behind him on the left side of the frame looking forward. That's a really unusual bit of staging. Mm -hmm. And it makes them oddly separate. Because they're not looking into each other's eyes at all. And Kambe is looking into his past, into his life, into yeah. his dreams, and saying deep truths. And Katsushiro is absorbing that. And then we see all the other samurai thinking of their yeah. times. And again, because now we're doing it, is like, let's compare that to the scene in Magnificent Seven. Right, right. Magnificent Seven is a great scene. Yul Brenner says that. And, he, and they have the conversation about the kid of what it's like to be life. And it's like... Him and McQueen are going back and forth about it. They're going back yeah, and yeah. forth about the good parts right. and the bad parts of being a gunslinger. After a while, you can call bartenders and ferro dealers by their first name. Maybe 200 of them. Rented rooms you live in, 500. Meals you eat in hash houses, a thousand. Home, none. Wife, none. Kids, none. Prospects, zero. Suppose I left anything out? Yeah. Places you're tied down to, none. People with a hold on you, none. Men you step aside for. None. And then you get Robert Vaughn who says, Insults swallowed. None. Enemies. None. No enemies? Alive. <laughs> and it's and what's funny is it's the same scene. Yeah. We're talking about what it means to live this life right. and the pain of it, and to some degree the joy of it in the Magnificent Seven scene. And it does say that it's sad, but in Magnificent Seven, it's fun. Right. You know, it's kind of fun and even if we're saying bad things about this life, it's it's still kind of romantic. Mm -hmm. Whereas here it's much more I here's I, here I put my finger on it. Yeah. The scene of Magnificent Seven is totally fun and I think about what it must be like to be a gunslinger. The scene in Seven Samurai, I think about my life. Yes. Also because the scene of Magnificent uh, the scene of Magnificent Seven is Americans, they got to chime in and go back and forth. Yeah. And compare the scene in in Seven Samurai is Japanese, which is deferred to the yeah. older uh, the elder and let them speak their truth and absorb that truth. Is a difference. And while this is happening, Heihachi looks up and sees Kyozo mm -hmm. has entered the room. And Heihachi, by the way, is di uh, above them, sitting yeah. in a higher position, kind of looking down on them. And I think that's because he's the youngest of them at that mm. point. So not fully in the circle, but close enough. Well, and again, a thing just to, for you cinephiles to look at. Mm. Look at the staging. Yeah, Like always. we often talk about camera movement with Kurosawa, and the camera movement's amazing. But in a lot of these static scenes, you will see seven characters, eight characters, Everyone framed perfectly. Mm -hmm. And you don't get this. This doesn't just happen. You get on the set, even if, even of course, I was storyboarded it, he's talked to a cinematographer, he knows in his head what he's going to do. You place the camera a certain place, and then it is a half an hour of saying, Tashiro, move your head an inch to the right. Yeah. And on this line, I want you to lean in. And this character, I want you to stand at this moment. No, but don't, but stoop a little bit so your head is in that light. 
every one of those people is within millimeters yeah. exactly where they have to be and frequently they'll move to a new position and we see all of their faces we saw all the reactions and just the way Coruscant wants you to see it this takes a lot of time and a lot of attention to detail yeah. and then uh, Kambe looks up and sees that uh, Kyozu has entered and finally he says to the kid tomorrow you're going to go home and like you've learned a lot in these four days and you'll have stories to tell yeah and the kid is right on the edge of tears, mm-hmm. right on the edge. And you know who gets him? The first person to stand up to Kambe and help him change his mind? I think it's K- K- Rikichi, right? Or? It's Rikichi. Yeah, Rikichi the comes peasant. in. He gets down and says, says you know, like, please hey. let him come. Yeah. And then Gorobe says, bring him. <laughs> yeah. And Heihachi says, kids work harder than adults, but only if you treat them as adults. And what does Kambe do? <laughs> the rubbing of the head. Rubs yeah. that head uh, and says, that leaves only two. It's another thing I love about Kambe's leadership. You know what it reminded me of? This is totally silly, mm. but you'll like it, is Hoosiers. Is that Gene Hackman yeah. listens to his team yeah. at the I'll end make of the it. movie. Yeah, when they all go, when they all, there's a great climactic moment at the end. Who's going to take the last shot? We're going to give it to the secondary guy. And the music stops and all the guys stand up. And Hackman's like, what's wrong? What's the problem? And Jimmy Chitwood just looks at Norman Dale and says, I'll make it. And then boom, everyone's in. See, and a good leader yes. knows when to stand up yeah. and say no to his people. And a good leader knows when to, when to listen. Right. And because he trusts Gorobe and because he immediately is trusting Heihachi, and he even on a certain level is touch, trusting Rikichi, yeah, yeah. is goes, okay, we'll bring him. And he goes, that leaves only two. And then Heihachi says, no one, because now, now is actually when Kambe realizes that uh, Kyozu is there. Yeah. And we're going to leave tomorrow. We don't right. have time. We have time to find this. We're going to be six. It's going to be the, the six samurai. It doesn't sound as good on a movie poster, <laughs> but we're going to be the six samurai. Uh, except our bully asshole guy walks in and says, hey, I found a guy for you. These guys are the unsung heroes I'm of the film. I'm telling you. Nobody talks about it, but these guys are the unsung heroes what of the, the film. What the hell are they doing half naked in this inn? <laughs> yeah. Like, what? Just they gambling. <laughs> Maybe they're just gamblers. <laughs> yeah. But they're like, we found the best guy. This yeah. guy is tough. He's drunk. He's beating everybody up. I called him. I told him to come over here. Now, we know. I mean, of course. we know. But I think this is, it's the anticipation of knowing what's about to happen that is what makes this so fun. Of course. Because the kid goes... You want me to do the thing? It's like, <laughs> sure, do the thing. And the bully guy goes, what are you doing? That's not cool. Right. And Kambe's response is, no real samurai would get caught off guard by a thing like that, and no real samurai would drink so much that he wouldn't be in control. He'd dull his wits, yeah. That he would dull his wits. And <laughs> up walks to Shirobufuni, and we don't see it. We cut to the bullies. We hear the... <laughs> and then he's on the ground going, who hit me? Right. Um, so mad. Yeah. And then uh, he recognizes Kambe. And I love, I think he says, the your bald head has been in my dreams. Mm-hmm. I think it has. Yeah. He can't get him out of his head. Yeah. I, I have constructed a narrative about samurai. Yeah. Because of my own personal experience. And you're messing up right. that entire narrative and I can't get you out of my head. Because what he thinks is that the legends about the good, honorable samurai thing, that's all bullshit. That's not true. He's seen how terrible they can be. Yeah. Yeah. And he has got, I think he just got that scroll. Because I, I think because of meeting Kambe, he, he asked him, are you really a samurai? Yeah. He wants the proof. And he goes, I'm going to show you something. And he's drunk and can't find it. And the sword is dangling between his legs. And it's all really funny. <laughs> Finally, he pulls out <laughs> the scroll and hands it to him. This is this is a list of my family ancestors. Kambe looks at it and he says, uh, so this Kikuchio, this would be you, born 1574. And 
some people laugh. Yeah. And I love if you watch, again, watch all the background characters. Hey, Hachi is counting on his fingers yeah. in the background. And it takes him a few more seconds to figure it out. And then he laughs because if you're Kikuchio, you'd be 13 years old. Right. And they all laugh at him. And he calls them jerks to hell with samurai. Mm. Now watch Kyozo in the scene because they're sitting down. Again, we have a perfectly framed thing. Kyozo's on the left. Yeah. Uh, Toshio's on the right. And he's getting angrier and angrier. And you watch Kyo- Kyozo shift his sword from his right side to the left. Yeah. So his right hand will be free. And in the moment before uh, Kikuchio decides to go for his sword, Kyozo's already grabbed it. Yeah. And it's handed behind him to the kid who was not quite so fast right, on the uptake. Right. Like, what's happening? What? Oh, I'm supposed to take that. Yeah. Takes the sword, and now Tashiro Mifune chases that kid around, trying to get his sword back, being drunk. They uh, they call him Lord Kikuchio, and Heihachi is mocking him, mm. and they're all laughing at him, and they all look down on him, and they ask, is he really a samurai? And we say, in his own mind. And he passes out. It's interesting for me the moment when I begin to really care about Kikuchio, mm. you know, and this is the first one because mm. he's he's filled with all this bluster and bravado and he's kind of a jerk and he's kind of rude and he's kind of drunk and he's kind of an idiot. Mm-hmm. And then in this scene where they're really laughing at him, I kind of go, oh, yeah, I start to feel for this guy. Yeah, um, It's the next morning. Beautiful wipe to the morning. They're all getting up to head out. They hand Toshiro back his scroll and they say, and he says, let me go too. How long ago do you think he decided to become a samurai? That's a good question. It's been a bit. I think it's been a bit. Yeah. And what was he trying to get? Status or revenge. This is what I don't know. I, I, mm-hmm. And I go, because I do, I think you said this, in another world, he'd be one of the bandits. Yes, sure. I think there is, if he doesn't see Kambe, mm-hmm. I think he goes in a very different direction. Oh, sure. I think he's there hunting samurai. In that town. I think he's there to figure out who he is or what he is and if he can be a samurai. But he also likes the status of feeling like he is a samurai to the other town, the other villagers well, in the town. And samurais, on some level, in his experience, they take what they want. Yes. So kicking s- over the bucket, s- sitting down. Status, food, women, mm-hmm. pushing through people. Booze. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like he is. And I think in this moment of take me with you. I think in seeing Kambe, yeah, yeah. being haunted by his bald head in the dreams, maybe going to get the scroll at that time, yeah, yeah. he's made a different decision. He's like, oh, I'm maybe, and I don't even know if he knows it consciously. Mm-hmm. I might, maybe there's something else that I want. Well, isn't it complex? Like, if the samurais destroyed his village, maybe he developed an affinity or an affection or a connection to that idea of. That's status. That's power, right? Right. And remember, this is these villagers don't have a lot of education. So in his mind, how smart is he really? His version of a samurai is only like the surface ver- level of a samurai. He doesn't really understand the code or what's required to even go against that code. He can't even understand the code to even go against the code. He is just doing all the outer things of what he thinks a samurai is, the rough sketches, but not hasn't really filled in the empty spaces. And I think what he sees in Kambe is... Oh, this is what it is. This is what it really is. So the fascination grows deeper, but it still struggles with his anger he has towards the samurai. So to become what you've beheld is very difficult. And we see it in Conan the Barbarian when he be- you know, becomes this thing that destroyed his 
village. Right. You know, so this idea of becoming this barbarian, when the barbarians were that came that destroyed his village, and he has to go and get revenge in a certain way, yet he still has to become what he beheld in order to get that revenge. So it's fascinating here. It's funny because we talked about martial arts. I've seen a lot of people mm. do martial arts for a lot of different reasons. Right. And a lot of people, you know, the I got beat up or bullied at school sure. and and I want to defend myself, yes. But also, I want to beat other people up. Right. Like, like the that's a natural response to being abused is I'm not going to let anyone ever do that to me again. Right. I'm going to fight back. Mm-hmm. And if all you see is the farmers of the lowest status who are poor, who are starving, who suffer, who have to do all the work, and they see these other guys, yeah. and they're not like that. And it's like, oh, the key to power, status, wealth, money, comfort, pleasure is a sword. Yeah possibly the biggest sword i can find and then your eyes because this also happens doing martial arts is your eyes open to oh maybe there's something else and i think his eyes have just started to open Mm -hmm. to maybe there's something else but also he still sees and we're going to see this so much more later in the film the fallacy of the samurai yeah of course that this is because and what we saw from the guy who was hiding out Mm -hmm. for the bullies and you know other samurai we've seen is that a lot of bullshit, mm-hmm. you know. Um, back in the village, we see a woman who's doing her hair from behind. Beautiful shot. Mm. And in walks Monzo, and he's clutching something. And she turns, and he's acting really weird. And we realize this is his daughter, mm-hmm. Shino. And he pulls out a, a razor because mm-hmm. he wants her to cut her hair. Yeah. The camera work is amazing. We dolly through the building, then we dolly back out of the building, then yeah. we pan and dolly as he chases her, runs her, tack, tackles her, and forcibly cuts off her hair. And none, the villagers stop her, right? Because that's stop him. No, and that's the thing. It's this. The they, also, they think he's ask, acting crazy. Right. Do this. The family's within the family. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And again, this is another status transformation that has to do with cutting hair. Right. This is a, you're no longer be a woman. Yeah. You're now going to be a man. Right. You know. Um, Once again, changing her status like Kambei did and cutting off his knot. Yep. Changing the status. Yeah. Or 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 Kikuchio, who's becoming a samurai. Right. Or Rikichi, who's leaving the circle of the village. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? Um, and all the villagers we hear is like, he's an idiot. He's yeah. a fool. But they're also starting to talk about hiding hmm. their daughters. Yeah. One of the guys says, hey, you have sons. You, of course you don't think it's a big deal. Yeah. And we're with the samurai and they're walking. And way behind them on the road is Kikuchio. And there's a closer shot of him. He squats down and Heihachi even throws a rock at him. <laughs> the, and at that moment, again, the more they laugh at him, when they throw the rock at him, my sympathy is going up and up. Yeah. We are at a shot of a waterfall that is so pretty. Samurai up on the top on the rocks and the waterfall. And then we cut to a wider shot of the waterfall. And there pops up Kikuchio, who takes off his clothes and is in just his little loincloth, which we're going to see a lot of uh, buns in this movie. (laughs) And they're looking down at him and he wades into the water and he slowly lowers himself into what must have been some really cold water. Yeah. And grabs a fish. Apparently, that's something Kurosawa used to do when he was young. He oh. would hunt. He would swim in streams and catch fishes with his bare hands. Wow. Yeah. Um, and now we're walking through some beautifully lit woods, and Hayashi looks back, and no Kikuchio. Yeah. He's like, and I think the line in Magnificent Seven is, now I'm starting to miss him. He's not there. And then jumping out from in front, he comes and says, come on, it's this way. <laughs> kuchi, kuchi. <laughs> 
beautiful. By the way, this gets referred to in 13 Assassins. Uh, mm. I don't know if you've seen that one. I have, yeah. yeah. Yeah, when the the, the nature guy, mm. he constantly shows up at times ahead of the other samurai when they're walking yeah. through to get there, yeah. That's a good movie. Yeah, it's a fantastic it's a crazy, movie. Crazy movie. I love that movie. Um, all right. Um, a one-hour samurai fight, for God's sake. Yeah, it's insane. Uh, so they arrive at the village. Mm. And now Kikuchio is with them, and he says, you know, no way I'm going to die in that dung heap. <laughs> no one asked you to. Little foreshadowing. And we run down to the village. Yeah. And Rikichi's like, hey, we're here. No response. Silence. And of course, it's the same thing that happens in Magnificent Seven. And they go and like, hello, hello. And maybe we see one person and that person runs away. And finally, we decide. And, and Tashirmafuni is sitting on a rail of a fence laughing his ass off. Yeah. Because he knows. Yeah. He yeah. knows. <laughs> his laughter is so big. It's like. And this is that interesting acting choice. He is genuinely laughing. Oh, yeah. But he's also making a show of the fact that he's genuinely right, laughing. Right. Because he knows what's going on, as you say. So they go, let's go see the old man. So everybody but Kikuchio goes to see the old man. <laughs> and I love what they leave him. He's like kicking dirt like a dog and doing all this crazy show stuff. Yeah. Watch the camera work in this scene. It's continually circling. So we circle from an OTS around to the back of Takashi Shimura, and we circle back the other way and see Gorobe. It's a really interesting construction of a scene. And the old man basically says, they're scared. And Kambe's like, but why would they fear us? And then before the old man can answer, we hear the alarm. And they run out. The, everyone in the village runs out. There's a total panic. There's chaos. We see great shots of each of the samurai running in these long lenses cut. It's almost jump cuts. It's mm. so cool of them running through the fields. Looks so cool. Yeah. And they run in. And of course, Kambe's, you know, in his brain, he's going, oh, we're, this is a disaster. Right. We're not ready. We just got here. We, we don't have time. This is terrible. And he's going, who sounded the alarm? Where are the bandits? Where are they coming from? Trying to figure out, can I even organize any kind of defense? Right. And... None of the peasants know. They're they're running around going, Samurai, please, Samurai, help us, help us. Right. And then Kambe says, who sounded the alarm? And we hear, I did. Yeah. And there's Tashiro Mafuni. <laughs> what he does in this scene of mocking the farmers and making it funny. Yeah. And in some way, and this is the magic that this character has. He's the person that brings these groups together yeah. more than anybody else. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because um, he is one of them. And, and he's, one of, he's a foot in both worlds. Yep. Yeah. And, and in, in a weird way, I hadn't thought about it until you just said that. So Kanbei is the one who sees most clearly of anyone mm-hmm. in the film. Yeah. But maybe Kikuchio is the next. Yes. You know? Because he sees stuff that Kanbei can't see. Right. Like Kanbei couldn't understand why the villagers wouldn't show up. Kikuchio can. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he knows the thing that needs to be done to bring them out and bring them together. Right. And he says, you know, yells at them, calls them blockheads, says, that, oh, sure, you were high scared of us, and now you're groveling in front of us. Um, and now Heihachi and Kambe are laughing with Tashiro Mifune, and this is the mo- and the old man comes up. I love the looks. And Tashiro Mifune gets right in his face and then looks away and says, you know, you got a problem, Gramps? And he says, Nope. <laughs> All swell now. Uh, it's great. Yeah. And Heihachi says, looks like you're good for something. I guess there are seven of us after all. Yeah. Great moment. Really good moment. Um, we're kind of figuring out sleeping arrangements, and Rikichi's giving them his house. 
And as he goes, I'm going to go sleep in the barn. What does Tashir Mofuni find? But a beautiful woman's kimono. Mm-hmm. And Rikiji's reaction to it is strong. Yeah. This is the first moment. We knew he was angry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But this is the first moment where we go, oh, mm-hmm. there's something behind his anger. Right. Um, but they just think he's being a jerk. Tashiro literally calls him a jerk. Someone asks Kikuchio, what's your real name? And he says, I don't know. Mm. Give me give me a one that fits. And they just say, ah, Kikuchio's perfect. <laughs> and they laugh at him. And this time he's kind of sheepish, but not angry. Right. You know what I mean? He's like part the, of the crew now. Like he feels more like a part of them. Yeah. We're going to map out the village. I love this sequence. Yeah, yeah. The, this is where you see Kurosawa interested in the how. Yeah. He's interested in, and you know, as a director... What's being a director about? Preparation, organization. That's what we're doing. And we go from north, south, east, west. We start with the west and look at what we're going to do to defend. But what's also interesting is that each of these four positions, we see the samurai and get to see their style. Yeah. You know? So the first one we see is uh, Shichichiri, I think that's his name, who is sort of the, who I say is the sergeant. Yeah. And he is working with the uh, farmers building a fence. And we say that, okay, here, you know, we're going to build a big, take logs and build a big fence. Uh, and Gorobe's with him and Katsushiro's with him to kind of learn. And then they head down to the south and we decide, okay, we're going to flood these fields after they harvest the barley mm-hmm. if we've got time. That's the big issue here. Right. And who's training there is Kyozo, who's has, instead of building stuff, he's teaching them how to fight. Yeah. And, you know, we all need different kinds of teachers. And I think Kyozo is not an easy teacher. No. He is going to challenge you. And he's challenging some guy to thrust a big spear at him. And the guy doesn't want to do it. And finally gets him to do it. And he gets off the line and tosses him. Um, and the kid is just fascinated. Yeah, yeah. Because that guy is kind of awesome. Kid catches up to them. And they're now looking at the east. And we go, okay, we're going to have to destroy this bridge here. But the problem is, their house is over there. Yeah. Including the old man's mill. And Kambe says, they'll have to be evacuated. And he knows this is a big deal. Yeah. You know, and Gorobe knows this is a big deal, but it's just as you said before, this is what has to be done. Yeah. And he, Kambe is a practical guy. And here we see Heihachi and his relationship with the peasants is to make them feel better. Yeah. You know, yeah, war is scary, but they're scared too. And he kind of makes jokes and they laugh and Heihachi can build community. Mm-hmm. Kyozo can't build community. Right. Like the, the sergeant guy, he can, he knows how to build that fence. And he knows how to organize those guys to do that. Right. You know, but Heihachi can make you feel good. Mm-hmm. The weirdest thing to me is as we go to the next area, we get to see Tashir Mufuni. And I really wonder what was Kambe's conversation with this guy who has no experience, as far as we know, right, right. putting him in a leadership position. Did he tell him anything? Yeah. And we get to watch what he does, which is to mock and laugh and joke and put on a show and one of the, some of the people he's putting on the show for is all the kids are yeah. watching because they love him. Yeah. Um, and he does all sorts of little postures, particularly making fun of Yohei, who is the most scared person holding the spear. <laughs> and now we go to look at this area and we go, this is a death trap. Yeah. You know, and one thing that happens with Tashiro Mufuni is he looks at the spear that Yohei is carrying. That doesn't look like just a bamboo pole. Right, right. That looks like a real spear. Where'd you get that? So the other thing that happens in the north is that Katsushiro looks up and sees beautiful blossoms on the tree. Yeah. And he picks them. Mm-hmm. And he smells them. And he looks up the hill and there's flowers up there. Kambe and Gorobe say we're heading on. He says, okay, I'll catch up in a sec. 
and he bends over and smells the flowers. And they look up at him and smile because he's a kid. Yeah. And even though they're trying to train him, and even though serious stuff is happening, they let him be a kid. Right. And he goes up the hill through the flowers. This is among the most beautiful sets of images I can think of. Oh, yeah, absolutely. The look of the flowers, the lighting, his joy at just being out in nature in this moment. And he moves through the flowers. He lies down, looks up at the wind in the trees. And this is just this moment in nature. Well, and I think it's an important moment to have in the movie because we've been so focused on these samurai and this impending doom and danger. What do they always say? You got to take a moment to smell the roses. You take a moment to kind of figure out what you're fighting for, why you're fighting for. Like, what is it I'm fighting for? And like, just lying there in that moment, first of all, you get a beautiful image to put in your head. Second of all, you get a moment to take a break and kind of savor what's going on here. And then boom, it's it's immediately, yeah. Because you hear something. And there is someone. And he chases this person, which we know is Shino. Yeah. Or Shina, the girl from uh, Monzo's daughter. Yeah. And he says, are you a girl? Unaka. And she shakes her head no. He says, a boy? And she, she nods. And he says, where's your spear? Because all the men in the village are supposed to be defending the village. Yeah. And she tries to run away. Again, this lighting as we go through this is so beautiful. And one of the things he did, particularly because he's using long lenses. So if you want things to stay in focus... The ways that you get deeper depth of field, more things in focus, is you make the lens wider Mm. and you add light. The longer the lens, the more light you have to add. They had more light Mm. on during the daylight shots. Big, huge, giant lights. And then to get eye light, which means they get want those little sparkle inside your eye. So to direct the light just in that direction, and you'll see beautiful highlight without this film, and in particular between Katsushiro and and the girl, Mm. is they have mirrors. So they have mirrors that people are holding to direct light. And it was so bright, it burned this girl's cornea. Holy shit. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. But it looks beautiful. Yeah. Yeah, Okay. Um, Fortunately, with digital stuff and film, like we don't quite have to use that much light. We have a lot more uh, stuff in low light. Yeah. She falls down. He chases her. They wrestle a bit. And then there is the moment where his hand strays to her chest Mm -hmm. and he realizes this is a girl. He recoils. Yeah. Yeah. And then there's this, and she, he goes away, sits in one place and she pulls away. And the two shot of them sitting there and breathing is amazing. I love it. Yeah. Yeah. We're back inside, I think, Rikichi's house, and we're looking at some mats, and in comes Toshiro Mofuni with a procession of peasants carrying weapons and armor. Samurai armor. Samurai armor, and he is wearing it. Yeah. And he's like, look what I got. And they go, what's this? And he says, well, they plundered it from warriors. That's the stuff they do. And immediately, the tone in the room changes. Yep. And Toshiro Mofuni's going, what's the problem? You said you wanted this stuff. It's good stuff. And they say bastard yeah one of you the call yourself a samurai yeah his uh was is it his second in command or is it the sergeant i think so I th- yeah, yeah. yeah i think so i think it's uh shichichi the second yeah. the sergeant yeah the sergeant jumps up and he does calls him bastard yeah um because he doesn't know yeah well because he's never been, that's what they say is like you can't understand unless you've been hunted yep all of these guys on the losing side of battles had that moment where after the battle after the worst experiences of their lives suddenly they're being hunted by peasants yep. and killed yep and to discover that these that that's what happened to these people. Terrible. As they're in this moment, you can see all of the samurai have turned. 
they came this whole way to protect this village and they want to do it. Yeah. And in this moment that they realize that this village, like they should have expected, has been killing samurai and taking their stuff, they are suddenly, they're about to leave. Yeah. And Kyozo says, I would kill them all right now. Mm-hmm. I mean, and he's a pretty scary guy, yeah. you know. Well, and once again, this is a brilliant moment too, Steve, because we spent the whole movie deconstructing the myth of the samurai. This moment deconstructs the myth of the helpless peasants. Exactly. And Mafuni goes into this long. Once he once he gets focused in on what the problem is, yeah. he goes into this incredibly long monologue and tirade at the samurai, telling them, "Oh, you thought these were these little helpless little things, but no, there's so much more than that. They're the most." ruthless people on the planet because they have to be they have to be to survive and you know because all these examples of what they do and what they have to worry about and yes they kill samurai yes they do these kinds of things but who made them this way right and that's when he blames the samurai so it's a very and just like you said earlier steve he is the one that connects these worlds because he can he can undercut the fallacy of both of the worlds while also appreciating both the worlds at the same time he says, in war, you burn their villages, trample their fields, steal their food, work them like slaves, rape their women, and kill them if they resist. Right. And the look, the response from Kambe, from the samurai, and this is that same thing. It's the yeah. same thing with the rice. Is he goes, yes. Yeah. And here's the thing I was thinking about with this is that all of these guys, everyone except for the kid, yeah. they, they knew this was true. Right. They, because, you know, an army lives on forage. You know, it's not like today. Today, we send Burger King to our troops in the field. You know what I mean? Like, we make the food here, and we make sure they have it. Because we have the the wealth and the luxury and the power and the planning to do that. You know, Napoleon said an army moves on its stomach. And that meant these were foraging armies. So wherever they went, they took what they took. You know, we talked about in the Civil War. We talked about Sherman's March to the Sea. That's the standard is we're going to take what we take. And so while Kambe might not have personally raped a farmer's wife, yeah, he knew that that happened. Yes, they all did. They all knew. Right. You know, and so we can say these are good guys, and I think they are. Right. But they certainly were, they certainly foraged. They certainly forced farmers to give them, to hand over their food, to yeah. hand over their supplies. They put them to work. They knew that this is true. Yeah. And only in this moment, through Toshiro Mufuni's unbelievable speech, yeah. do they see that truth. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mufuni's performances... Stunning. Yeah. And his frustration and his anger and his truth. And again, that laughter at the absurdity of all of this. Because that's what he sees. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He sees that better than anybody. This is all crazy. And he throws some arrows against the wall and he storms out and just plops down in that armor, just wrecked. Yeah. And I love the the juxtaposition because who shows up at that moment yeah. listening to romantic not listening to the music but we're hearing romantic music yeah. as he in his sort of youthful you know romantic way is thinking about this girl he just met <laughs> and he walks up to kikuchio in yeah. this armor looking ridiculous and he's like hey cool armor that's not Kikuchio. He is not up. He, you know, kind of thrusts a spear towards him and storms off. Yeah, even the kids, he tells them to get away. Yeah, from yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yells at the kids. Yep. The old man and Rikichi come in and they go to Kambe and go, something wrong? And Kambe says, no, mm-hmm. nothing's wrong. Because again, like everything before, once he makes that decision, once he sees it, he makes the decision. Yep. And it's the right decision. Yep. And Tashiro Mifune doesn't sleep with the samurai that night. Mm. He goes and sleeps with Rikichi and says, this seems like old times, yeah. laying in the straw in the barn. And he yells at Rikichi yeah. for having given up his house. And then when Rikichi gives up his the wherever he was sleeping in the barn, 
He yells at Rikichi again. No, Get no, back in there. No, stay here. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Stop kowtowing to him. Yep. Uh, it's raining. Heihachi is looking out. And Toshiro, Toshiro's back in. So clearly his self-banishment is short. Yep. He says that he needs a girl. And the moment that he says he needs a girl, our swordsman goes, I'm going to go practice. And I don't know if those things are connected in his mind, but he heads off to the rain of the practice. Yeah. And then we see that Heihachi is sewing something. He's sewing the banner, mm-hmm. the flag. Seems weird to go into battle without a banner. And he holds it up. And there is a vertical piece of cloth. At the bottom is the symbol for the village. Yeah. And then we have six circles and a triangle. Yep. What's the triangle for? Uh, I don't know. You tell me. It's for you, Lord Lord Kikuchu. Kikuchio. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. And and this time, everyone laughs, and even Toshiro laughs. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah. he knows he's the triangle. Yeah. But while that's happening, Katsushiro sneaks out. Mm-hmm. We see our uh, swordsman practicing in the rain, and then he hears something and looks over and sees Shino yeah. in a little grove of trees. He watches Katsushiro run up. He's got rice for her. And he says, take it. I, I don't need it. You're only eating millet. I tasted millet. It's horrible. Mm. Have some rice. And she goes, no, thank you. But I'm going to take it because there's the old grandmother. She needs it more than me. Right, right. Um, and they leave together. And he follows. And then the samurai are eating dinner. And Katsushiro says, I'm done. I'm going to save this for later. And, the, and Kyozo says, you know what? I'll, you can use mine this time. Huh? What are we talking about? And then we take. We all go to see the grandmother, yeah. who is an old, old lady. Yeah. And she is so sad because her son is dead, her family is dead, and she just like, I just want to die. Yeah. And I hope if there is a next world, it won't be as horrible as this one. Mm. And Heihachi, being the lovely person that he is, says, oh, no, it's not. It's going to be great. The old world, the new, next world is good, and you won't be suffering. And Kikuchio does not let him get away with it. Yeah. He goes, shut up. How do you know? Have you been there? Because he doesn't like the hypocrisy, mm-hmm. you know? He just freaks out on him. And they're like, you know, save your spit and fire for the bandits. Like, what are, what are you doing? Mm-hmm. Um, and we go outside, and Katsushiro is talking to the swordsman and says, so did you uh, see me with the, the girl? Yeah. <laughs> he goes, why didn't you tell them? You want me to? And the swordsman, just, he just walks away. He yeah. is a man of few words. Yeah. He's got a great face, by the way. Oh, my God. It's a fantastic yeah. gaunt face. Yeah. And this pseudo not this is almost like a big brother relationship that he's having with yeah uh because obviously the father is come by of, of all of them but this guy is developing a somewhat of a pseudo big brother relationship with uh the young kid I, I, yeah i i i don't know if it's big brother or uncle it, or yeah, even uncle, uncle. It's, yeah because he's so untouchable he really is you can't relate he cuts right. can't relate to it right but cuts re- feels a kinship with him or a connection. i think it an admiration yeah i think uh like i think kanbei is the teacher but Kyozo is the model of yeah. like because he's the romantic perfect samurai. He's the selfless, mm-hmm. not human, not emotional. You know, that's why when I was in my twenties, that's what I wanted to be. Well, yeah, you know? and, and that's why it's brilliant when what happens to him happens to him because the weight of that loss is oh, yeah. devastating. And you have to build him up this way so that when the the loss happens, you're just like, oh well, my god, no. In particular, we're getting ahead of ourselves, but because yeah. it's so pointless. Yes. You know. Yeah. Which um, is war. Yeah, which is war. Um, the barley's growing, and I don't mean war is pointless. I mean pointless deaths happen in war. Yeah, absolutely. I don't think anyone. Yeah, I, I just think, want to make sure. Yeah, um, there's a as a whole other conversation. <laughs> um, Maybe for the outlaw nation. Yeah. Anyway, uh, Tashiro <laughs> comes out, and the kids are calling at him, and he 
calls them brats, and then Heihachi and the other samurai come out, and they all have the rice. Yeah. And because it's, you know what? We're not going to let these little kids starve while we're having the good food. Mm-hmm. And I love Toshiro's clowning with them and insulting them, and they're eating it up, and it's just really, really fun. Mm-hmm. And we see... And then the last thing Toshiro Mifune says is, do you have an older sister? <laughs> and Eihachi kinds of shoves. And this is where we see the bonding begin. The, the separations between the samurai and the mm. farmers are starting to get smaller. Not for Manzo, but for everyone else. For everyone else, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, they go to see the old man and ask about when the harvest is. Mm-hmm. And he says, it's in 10 days, and then we're going to flood the fields. And we see, and this is another sign of the closeness, is that Kambe's holding a little kid yeah. as we're walking around. Um, and then he finally says the thing that he's known for a long time. Mm-hmm. Once we flood the fields, you got to abandon these houses and the mill. Yeah. And the reaction is strong and upset because this is everything. This is everything yeah. these people have. This is their whole lives, everything they built. I don't know how long it took them to build the mill or mm-hmm. the house, but it was a long time and they know it'll be destroyed and they're crying. And he just like, no, that's what it's going to be. Yep. And we cut to a training shot, which is a beautiful circling around shot where Garobe is saying, look, now from this point forward, you don't have families anymore. You're squads. You're going to train as a squad. You're going to harvest a squad. Nobody does anything alone. Right. Nobody goes out alone. You live together. You work together. Um, and the camera circles around. And we get a joke again from Tashirma Funi saying, you know, give your wives plenty of loving tonight. <laughs> and everybody laughs and claps. And we think this is going to work really well yeah we're all becoming kind of a group until one of our farmers who had been critical i think it's the guy who was critical of bonzo yeah for cutting his daughter's hair breaks his spear and says what a load of crap and he walks off and he says all of you who live on the other side of the bridge come with me and they all do and they yeah. get up and they throw down the spears and he's saying why should we protect other people's houses when they're not going to protect ours and we hear, as they're watching away, and the wind is blowing, of course, weather is always important in Corsella yeah, films, yeah. and we hear, stop. Mate! And the camera cuts, and there is Kambe, mm-hmm. looking like a different person. Yes. And he like says- Like a general. Like a general. And he says, pick up your spears, return to the line. And the wind is blowing, and they don't respond, and he draws his sword yeah. and charges them. And they run. And he looks scary yeah. as hell. They pick up their spears and they get back in the line. And Tashiro Mifune pushes them back in place. And they form them up. I think this is... You see an aspect of Kambe and why he is a great leader here. Mm-hmm. Because you know he made that choice in his head. Mm-hmm. He said, now is the moment to establish what it means to be part of an army. Yeah, I can be understanding. I can be sympathetic. But yeah. I cannot take dissension. Nope. Because everybody will die if there's any dissension yep. in this ranks. And But I think this is also an interesting moment, too, sociologically and politically. This idea of these people aren't going to help these other people because what they're sacrificing is more than what they're, the other people are sacrificing. Why should I lose what I need to lose, what I have, but the small things that I have, why do I need to lose that so that the whole can survive? 
And that's the small way of thinking, the limited way of thinking. But that happens politically in every government, in every country. And I thought it was a nice, it's a great, brilliant little social statement he's making by having that in the script and having that moment happen. And what has to happen? The, the Whoever's in charge, the leader has to step up and say, no, get back in line or I'll take you out. That's that. Yeah. Yeah. The the I mean big, a, the bigger picture here. A constant balance in society mm-hmm. is the balance of the needs and rights of the individual versus the needs and rights of the group. Yeah, constantly. And any and, and you know, you could look at whatever political side you're on and see where you are on that balance. Sure. And some people are much more towards the individual, some more much more towards the group. And what's so great about this movie is as we've been deconstructing the boundaries of society and as we've mm-hmm. been kind of looking at the hypocrisy of the samurai class or the foolishness or foolhardiness of war or the not perfectness of the farmers and why they they mm-hmm. aren't as good as we want them to be and all of this stuff at this moment kambe said and kambe has learned all of this stuff and has deep sympathy for all this stuff and at this moment he says this is what has to happen yeah just as i had to shave my head and just as i had to accept this and i had to accept this for the greater good right. now this is what has to happen and i have no doubt in my mind that if they didn't come over he would he would have killed him he would absolutely kill him he would have killed him yep. and he would have maybe felt bad about it yeah but he would have known it's the right thing and this is the thing about leadership is leadership there's no warm and fuzzy way mm-hmm. to be a leader all the time even if you want to be a warm and fuzzy leader mm-hmm. at a certain point you have to say no yeah this is what we're going to do and his speech he says <laughs> There are three outlying houses, but 20 in the village. We can't risk 20 to save three. And if this village is destroyed, those three can't survive. Exactly. The greater good. And he says, this is the nature of war. Yeah. We haven't said that this was a war exactly up to this point, but that is what this is. By protecting the other, you save yourself. If you only think of yourself, you only destroy yourself. Mm -hmm. And then this is a really interesting moment because it has to do with translation. So uh, I have the Criterion Collection. I assume you you have it too. This is what it says on there. It says, from this day forward, anyone caught doing that, and he doesn't finish the sentence, and he sheathes his sword. Mm -hmm. In another translation, because I looked around, in another translation, he says, from this day forward, any such desertion will be punished. Mm. Now, that is totally different. Yes. One, he says the thing, and one, he only implies the thing. Mm -hmm. And of course, I don't know what the real, what he really says in Japanese, but this is why our translations are always fraught. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, I'm I'm quoting, when I've been quoting lines here, the Criterion Collection, which I'm sure they worked really hard to make right. Yes. But that is, you know, Kurosawa would have an opinion of whether or not he finishes that sentence. Right. Or how he finishes it. Or how he finishes the sentence. But right now we have the wind and the samurai theme and the seriousness and they start to march they start to behave as an army under a kambe who is unlike anything else we've seen before and at this moment we go to intermission (laughs) what a great first act of a movie yeah i mean you know what's incredible they don't even go to the village to an hour and almost 10 minutes of the movie yeah that's phenomenal and then we get to this spot where we're letting everything up and then we explore so much of what's happening within the village, the interpersonal dynamics within themselves and then how they deal, of course, with the samurai and what have you. So, so much is being, the groundwork is being laid here yep. for both the positive and the negative stuff that's yep. going to happen in the second half of the movie. Well, and this is, uh, <laughs> but I, I would call this statement in defense of setup. I, me- I remember something that's we great. talked about way back when we did Jurassic Park is yeah. it's an hour 
plus before you get to the first uh, True. T-Rex kill. Right, right. You know, in, in Jaws, it's over an hour before they go out on the boat to yeah. have the real adventure. Is that the there are a lot of great movies that put incredible attention to detail in setting up their characters and situations. Mm-hmm. And this is, you know, might be the greatest one of any of them where there is so much being set up. And yet, and this is the mark of the great filmmaker, is bad filmmaking setup is really boring. Yes, it is. And in this film, it is not. When someone says, oh, it's boring, it's all set up, it's because they didn't do the setup right. Well, this is my statement. I said this a long time ago on the show is when people say, oh, that movie's so manipulative. So manipulative. What they're actually saying is that movie failed to manipulate me. Yeah, yeah, right. Is that if it manipulated you, you wouldn't know. Right. You would just be involved. Or you'd be okay with it. Yeah, it's yeah. like like I'm weeping uncontrollably. That movie manipulated me into weeping uncontrollably. And this movie has just swept me along. It moves so fast. Uh, and I cannot wait for us to record part two. Agreed. So... Uh, of course, that's what we think of the first act of The Seven Samurai. We always want to hear what you think. Please visit us on our Facebook page. Just do a search for The Cinephiles. Leave your comments there. We're trying to put a lot of new content up with yeah. our help from Luke Leeson, who's helping us out with our social Thank you, media. Luke. Thank you, Luke. Um, if you want to support the show, you can do so on patreon.com slash The Cinephiles, where we're always posting new audio clips. We've done a lot better. In fact, what should be going up this week is our discussion about the rise of Skywalker. Yeah. yeah. Um, so check out patreon.com slash The Cinephiles to to hear that you can buy every other movie we've ever done including seven samurai and we've got a whole page on kurosawa where you can buy other books and other movies and stream them through amazon prime mm. on cinephiles.net you can s- subscribe to the show on youtube on itunes on spotify leave your comments on youtube leave your reviews on spotify and if you want to reach me on twitter you can do so at sr morris on instagram at sr morris one what about you you can always reach me at the Roka says on Twitter and on Instagram. You guys know also I have the Geek Buddies and uh, the Top Ten Show. You can subscribe to for podcasts. And if you'd like to come over to my YouTube channel, which I started now, uh, it's uh, www.youtube.com/slash John Roca says uh, eleven thousand strong so far and growing. So come and join the fun. Uh, there's a lot of stuff going on there. And I think that's it for this week. We're going to come back next week to finish the incredible film, The Seven Samurai by Kura Kurosawa. <laughs>